for Dead Beat Radio. Alright, we are back. Yeah, a little deep purple there to kick it off, one of my favorites. We're bringing a little different episode here to uh, Deadbeat. We're going to stray from the uh, comedy side. We have a, a little different tonight. We have what? a musical guest with us tonight, Mr. Danny Rendo of uh, DeCombrio fame. And uh, we're glad to have somebody a little different, somebody a little different to talk to. Fame. Yeah. yeah. Hey, man, everybody. Uh, you know, honestly, a great band. I have to say, you know, we'll get that out of the way right now. I, um, I'm not a fan of that genre as a whole. So if you're on paper, you were like, this is what we do, I would probably be like, mm, I'm good. But I've seen you guys live a couple times. We work together. And every time I'm like, wow, this is actually really good. And so it is one of those things where um, it's all the right things that I don't get enough of from the genre that gives me. And so I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Thank uh, you. So thank you for being here. Thank as, you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and as always, the uh, the man who keeps us rolling, uh, man that does not get enough uh, credit, because it doesn't matter how much credit you get, it's not enough, <laughs> Mr. Terry Snow. What's up, man? Yeah. How you doing? No, no problem. He is the Robin to my Batman, the Chewy to my Han. So. Indeed. Yeah. So, um, this anyway. is getting really dirty. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. If you knew how much I loved Han Solo and Chewy, you would. Uh, which I'm really excited for the new movie. Movie. I saw the trailer this week. Did you guys check that out? Yes, I did. Uh, yeah. the, the new one looks really good. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sold until this. Uh, I'm a diehard Star Wars fan from 77. I'm an OG, right? And uh, that's what you get for when you're old <laughs> OG enough. stands for old guy, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm an old guy. And uh, I've seen, I, I have been blessed. And it's not one of those hipster things where I look down on people who weren't blessed to have this age. But I've seen every Star Wars movie in the theater first run. Yeah, so I've been lucky enough and blessed to be of a generation that could be there for all of it and experience all of it firsthand, not through pop culture pass downs. And so uh, some of it I've, you know, there's good and bad. You know, I'm a fan of all of it. You know, if you're, if you're a sports fan, you know, you have shitty seasons from time to time. And uh, we've had some shitty seasons, and I shitty get it. Shitty centuries. I get it. I get it. So, uh, but I'm excited for the new one. It looks great. I, I, I wasn't sure at first. And I think this one had some things like him speaking. And I was like, oh, you're a little chubby, but you sound like Harrison Ford. I like that. Uh, the moment he throws the quote-unquote blaster in his lap mm-hmm. i cried a little i was like oh, oh there it is there it is well i heard the big problem with the movie is like he's a terrible actor is he yeah that's uh, what i hear that's why like they fired the directors halfway oh, through. oh really because the directors started trolling themselves they're like this is ridiculous like he can't act like, i didn't so. know that I and, and it that. worries me because we get so little of him and i'm like mm. hopefully though hopefully Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian will bring it back because he fantastic. is amazing. That's great casting. Dude, the minute they announced it, I was like, yeah, no, that checks out 100%. Mm-hmm. And when I saw him in this one and he kicked back and he was like, you can believe everything you heard about me. Mm-hmm. I was waiting on him to offer me a Colt 45. I really was. <laughs> I thought he was going to offer me uh, you know, a leather-clad sedan and a Colt 45 uh, frosty can. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um but, uh, Danny, typically what we do here is, uh, you know, we take a few minutes, kick off some headlines, and I had some things I wanted to uh, to bring up because I think you'll uh, appreciate this. I know we're uh, Facebook friends. That's one of the ways we know each other the most and, and have communicated uh, 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 through our art. You know, my comedy and your music has worked together before. Mm-hmm. But uh, what about this crazy Zuckerberg thing, man? Is this insane or what? It is. It's uh, from what I know about it it's it's pretty insane. Uh, the yeah, thing- I don't know a whole lot about it myself. I followed, yeah. but I'm still a little lost. <clears throat> 
I'm I'm pretty much you know in the dark with a lot of what's going on in the world. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> between like work and life and music, mm-hmm. it's just like I, I don't have time to to see what's going on. Every once in a while, I'll watch uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers or Last Week Tonight to kind of catch up on like political stuff in a humorous way. Right. Um, I've just been following this. I know it's about sharing of data. And, you know, that's something a lot of people are worried about. And, you know, uh, me, it's like, I don't know if you've seen my data, but uh, you can have it. Honestly, if you <laughs> if you can be successful with it in some way, let me know. I might get some residual payoff from it. Maybe my credit score will go up. Or, <laughs> so, I don't know. So, if you can do better than I, I'm doing with it, which is not great, knock yourself the fuck out. Yeah. Well, I think the thing was that uh, Facebook was allowing apps to see your data and collect and collect and collect data um and then these apps ended up selling it to corporations mm. that would just sh- sh- strictly take it to make algorithms God. and one of the corporations that did it was cambridge analytica political and uh, uh, donald uh, trump hired them uh, for his marketing to develop algorithms to appeal to certain groups of facebook nice. yeah so yeah yeah that's that's kind of fucked up i mean I, I get it there's a fine line of that smart business versus that's creepy as fuck it's a fine yeah. line and i get it there's some of it to be done but there's it's it's a f- creepy fucking yeah, it's, line. It's just like just because you can do it, should you do it? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the Jeff Gold uh, Bloom. Uh, yeah, exactly. I did actually get that notification on Facebook about the whole like anybody who's used that app of what's it called? This this is your digital life. Like they, yeah. they're the ones that sold most of the information. Uh, okay. just like, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it's apparently what it is is like. Whether or not you used it or not, if any of your friends have used it, they can access your information through well, their account, basically. Which that is was weird. one of the things I, when they, again, the, the, them grilling Zuckerberg was hilarious because it was like your grandpa asking you, you know, how to fix the cable. So it was hilarious. But uh, one of the things they asked him was, can Facebook get the information for people that have never been on Facebook? And he really danced around it. And I thought then, I was like, I don't, how does that even happen? Yeah. How does Facebook, if you've never, I get it if you've been on and then one of your friends, and so they go to your friend's Facebook and then through your Facebook through that. I get that. Mm-hmm. So you may never have been on, you know, lickmyballs.com, <laughs> but if your friends were, I get how lickmyballs.com gets your info. But if you've never even been on Facebook, never made a profile, how is that working? Well, they do it by like if they connected to your Wi-Fi stuff like that, Ooh. and also just like um just pin like people talking about like oh, oh I was over here and I was like you live near that place then you might have been with this person and stuff like that. Okay, all right, that's interesting. It's Creepy. It really just like algorithms getting out of control of how they can read people. And it's stuff like some that. real Philip K. Dick shit going yeah. on in that. It uh, it is really uh, Skynet is real. Yeah, yeah, it's it's creepy. It really is, and. Uh, uh, I thought it was just one of those things. Now, he looked terrible on the stand. I was really <laughs> blown away. I was like, dude, you're not. I, now, I haven't seen the social network, so I don't know if he, like, yeah. he, that's kind of his shtick is he's, like, super awkward. All I know is, like, pictures of him that we see on Facebook <clears throat> mm-hmm. and the story, and he didn't really do it, but he took credit for it. And mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be kind of a, an awkward. Um, I have, you know, cherries up my butt, and I'm trying not to let him out kind of look on his face. <laughs> uh, but uh, I thought then, I was like, dude, you are losing this right away just in body language that's bad it's you know, bad you know his net worth went up three billion dollars in this during the grilling <laughs> of congress just wow. because they thought he they thought he's gonna get away from it because uh it was third party you know what i mean he mm-hmm. sold it to the apps the apps are the ones that fucked up it's like well come on dude <laughs> you know what I mean? wow that's crazy <laughs> yeah that is crazy the other thing i thought was real crazy and uh, i think it kind of ties together a little bit but um is the conor mcgregor throwing the shit through the bus oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my god did you see anything about that no so um i've heard conflicting stories of why but basically the, the rundown is conor mcgregor 
uh, came over with a bunch of like some snatch goons. Yeah, it was <laughs> like some snatch lock stocking, yeah. two smoking barrels type shit. <laughs> yeah, he flies really was, over yeah. from Ireland with a plane full of goons mm-hmm. and ambushes the bus full of fighters going to like the gym the night before the fight. Right, and um, dude, they go crazy getting a big thing out in public. He throws a hand truck, a dolly, mm-hmm. through the bus window. Holy shit! So now you've been on buses. Uh, think about a, a dolly coming through the window. Where are you safe? Nowhere. It's exactly. a tiny fucking space. <laughs> and so, I mean, he like cut one fighter's eye. A bunch mm-hmm. of fighters missed uh, the next day's fight because yeah. of it. Damn. They um, changed the main event three times. Yeah, in, like, two yeah, days. yeah. And he wasn't even on it, so it didn't affect him. But now he's he's in custody. Yeah. He's potentially looking at jail time. Yeah, he's got uh, a, he's got a felony criminal yeah. mischief. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but here's my thing, and this is what brings me to it: is like, will he will he really do anything? No, he's going to pay some fines that mm-hmm. don't hurt him one bit, and he's going to walk away. And, 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 and so I, I believe in giving everybody a second chance. But if you just get away with it, is it really a second chance? Mm-hmm. No. Y- you have to serve some form of, I think, penance, you know, uh, money that really does hurt your life. Do a little jail time. But celebrities never do. Zuckerberg's not going to do shit for t- this. No, of no. course not. No, no. I guarantee um, Connor sees a sees a UFC cage before he sees a jail. Oh cage. yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> now again, you get that little jail time in the beginning, uh, the the holding. So he's oh, going to yeah. do that. Well, but he already did that. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to see a cage before he sees jail again. Do you know why he did it? Uh, so no, no, no. Yeah. I've heard conflicting okay. stories. I heard one. Uh, apparently, one of the fighters was talking shit to one of his boys. Yeah, that's the one. That's, that's I've the heard one. that one. And then I heard he was mad because he got stripped due to a drug test. Stripped of of his title because he didn't defend it. Oh, okay. I thought it was drug Um, test. It might be both, but I hear it's because Khabib confronted one of his teammates the night before. Yeah, yeah. It was the videos of him talking shit. And he flew on the red eye that night to be like, you don't fuck with my boy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so it's like... Fucking Conor McGregor. Crazy, dude. It's crazy. Fucking do what I want. But honestly, like, (laughs) will he do any jail time? No, and that's fucked up. I I could see him getting like a month or two, If honestly. uh, Really? Yeah, just to... You know, a judge that's like, no, you know, you got to do something. any one of the three of us threw a fucking dolly through a bus right now. Five years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Off the rip. Yeah. We, would, we would be totally goners. And it's, it's yeah. sad because, you know, I mean, there's the Bruce Jenner running over the guy, got away with it. Um, here's, here's what I think it really comes down to. You cannot go to jail in the prime of your career. If you're up and coming, you can be cut short. And if you're on the way out, they will fucking not care. I don't think if OJ would have would have been in the same trial in the '80s when he was the the hottest shit in the gridiron, uh-huh. I don't think he would have done any time. I think he, I don't think he would have done anything, paid a fine, nothing. Yeah. And I'm talking about well, the Nicole stuff. I'm talking about like the 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 the, the where he actually did time oh, for oh, that. The, oh, the robbing. The, the, the robbing yeah, for the yeah. memorabilia. Yeah. If yeah. he would have done that in the '80s when he was again flash funk out on the field, <laughs> nobody would have gave a shit. Well, if this was the '80s, he wouldn't be doing it because he'd be like, he doesn't need to steal back his memorabilia. He's OJ fucking Simpson. You know. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. That that yeah. makes sense. But if if you can make money off somebody, then they're gonna get away with stuff. Oh you know yeah. What I mean? Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. And again, pay a fine. I get it, but. Pay a fine that really impacts you. You know, make you make you earn it. If you're getting ten million a fight, fucking pay five million a fight, and, be, and then have to be like, oh shit, I'm right. I'm getting what the mid carders are getting. That blows. So like a sliding scale. Yeah, yeah. it's very left leaning of you, Lance. <laughs> Look, I am. I may be a little to the right on most things. I may be a Hank Hillian uh, politically. But I'm not an asshole. I get it. You know, I I think, again, you know, even with the, you know, the uh, philosophies about, you know, taking people off help. And it's like, no, I don't want to take people. There are people who need our help. 
There are people in our communities who need programs for them to live the life that is any form of quality because they cannot. And I am all for helping them. That's what makes us a civilization. You're only as slow as the slowest runner. You're only as fast as the slowest runner. So we need to bring those people into our society and help them every way, and I'm all for it. Where I differ is where we draw the line on who needs help. And that's where I tend to step up and go, you know what? You're having a sad day, Becky. You need to get your ass to work, right? <laughs> I'm not I'm not dealing with your, I just can't go to work. I'm sad. No, 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 no. So that's where I become the asshole to most people. They're like, you don't want to help everybody? No. No, no, I don't. I want to help those who need it. And everybody else needs to get on the help side of the train and provide the help. And you, Connor McGregor, I think he's doing all right. So <laughs> He does not need my help. <laughs> he's going to fight Khabib. Who is Khabib? Is he worth a shit? Is this something? He's, yeah, he's undefeated. Russian guy. Perfect to fight Connor. You know what I mean? They can sell the shit out of that fight. So um, it'll I be think, a good fight. I think it was on Joe Rogan. I saw that um, they're already setting that up. And they said it would be the biggest fight in UFC history for that. Moment. Yeah, for sure. After this, all the hype, for sure. Yeah, so anyway, I think those are crazy. Absolutely just insane. And like I said, neither one of them will do any time. But nah. you know what? You know what I'm going to do some time with? I guess Danny Rendo. Nice. Danny, so um, I am excited to have a musician here. I think music and comedy translate very well. I think the behind-the-scenes stuff is very similar. Again, romance languages, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so and I, I have a music background, so <clears throat> I'm excited to find out uh, how successful people did it. Um, you, you guys have been together a long time, Decondrio. Yeah, that's your band. Is, mm-hmm. Have take me to the beginning. Have have you been? Is that like your first band? Did you do something before that? Uh, no, Decondrio has pretty much been my thing for for many many years. Um, it just started off as sort of just experimental type stuff out of high school. Um, and finally up until, you know, 10 years ago, it became more of a solid, this is what I want to do with the music. This is where I want to take it. And just even over the last four or five years, it's, it's just been getting stronger and better in terms of the recordings, in terms of the live performances, in terms of pretty much everything I try to put my blood, sweat and tears into it with. Now you, you do, again, you do the vocals <clears throat> mm-hmm. and you also do pretty much everything behind the scenes, right? Yep. Producing, you're the graphic designer of the albums and stuff. Yep. Um, do you play any instruments at all? I mean, like not in general, but in the band, do you play any instruments in the band? Uh, you know, on stage or in the studio? I guess both. I, I don't recall seeing oh. you with a guitar or anything anytime I've seen you live. There have been a couple of instances live where I'll play guitar. Uh, there's been a couple instances where I'll play keyboard. Okay. Um, but uh, keyboard was actually the first instrument I picked up when I was three years old. Oh my god! Um, you've been you've been doing something since you were three. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and then uh, I can play guitar and bass. Uh, I play drums. I actually played drums uh, a few years back for a local band called Annandale. Does not ring a bell. I don't know. It's, 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 it's <laughs> They're a pretty not... big band around here. Are yeah. they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mitch knows them. And oh, cool. They've been on uh, people in my neighborhood and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I played, I played drums with them for a while. Yeah. Um, the guitarist for them just joined ten years, right? For, for now, 10 years I'm familiar yeah, yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chad, he's playing bass for uh, 10 oh, years now. Nice. Yes, that's right. Nice, yeah. nice. So now, okay, so I obviously want to cover the, the, the birth of, of the musician that is Danny Rindo, but with the, the band. It's so, a pretty messy birth. Uh, <laughs> we don't have to go on. I don't need, like, photos or nothing, uh, but uh, we'll skip ahead at least three years from what okay. I'm hearing. Um, so when you go in the studio to do anything, do you do the, the, the oh, the 
the Smashing Pumpkins, the Billy Corgan, the the Dave Grohl. Do you do everything and then have a touring band? Yeah. So you, you on the studio, on the records, that's all you, 100% you? Yep. Cool. Very well, cool. every once in a while, I'll have some people come in and kind of help out. Um, like, especially the last album we did, uh, Hail to the Liar's Throne, I had mm-hmm. uh, some of the live members come in and help out with guitars and bass and stuff. I know a lot of bands do that, and I always find that <clears throat> fascinating. Because um, when I was in a band, it was just a garage band, and we just you know did what we did. And, and I'm used to that. I, I picture in my head, when I think about, like, Mick and Keith in the studio, and you know, I picture like all of them sitting around. But I know a lot of musicians. Uh, the entire first Foo Fighters record is one hundred percent Dave Grohl. Um, I think all of Billy Corgan. I think all of the Smashing Pumpkins is all Billy Corgan. Is that pretty close? I think so. Um, Prince. At least most of it is. I know a lot of Prince's stuff is just Prince. Oh yeah. So I know a lot of bands do it, and to me, that is mind blowing. Um, that's that. Um, Mozart composer brain, I think. Um, like, I'm not a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, but I really respect the shit out of Trent Reznor because he has that. Mm-hmm. He has that, um, you know, and Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys had it, where I just, you hear all that in your head and go, yeah, give me a second, I can do that. That baffles me. And you, yeah. you, you approach your music that way? Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. That is fantastic. I think that's great. Um, so you said you were playing since three. Where where do you really start musically? Like, what's the first thing you remember like loving and being inspired by? And because we're yeah, you're younger than me, we're about the same age. So like, you know, what was going on at the time musically? What's the first thing you really remember? Well, I mean, growing up, I obviously listened to a lot of different types of music. Like my dad was really into metal music, so there was like ACDC and Led Zeppelin and oh, everything nice. else. Good choice. <clears throat> then my mom was into more of like the eighties pop. So okay. a lot of Michael Jackson, a lot of aha, flock of seagulls kind of Ooh, stuff. Okay. So I basically was just I was just a fan of, of music in general. Um, obviously like I said, I, I played keyboard when I was three, but it was just like a like a pastime hobby. It wasn't anything that I really kinda got into until like middle school high school era right but uh it, it was probably around 94 95 when i first heard uh the downward spiral okay uh my my half sister showed me the, the cassette of the downward spiral i was like <laughs> hey you should check this out i think you'll like this kids listening google that you'll see what a cassette is <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the first time i heard that i was just like wow and then i just learning more about you know how it was it was all written by one guy yeah, and it's just crazy. like what the, that's, that's amazing so you know that's I, head, that's the one with head like a hole on it right no no, no. that's the one with closer on it okay it's spiral. Uh, i was never a big grunge alternative guy and mm-hmm. i remember hearing bits and pieces and i i remember um head like a hole that was the first thing i heard yeah uh, and i was like ooh, this is neat yeah okay that, that was on their first album okay that's yeah. when uh patrick from filters with them right yep yeah so uh, yeah, and I, I like I like it's like Marilyn Manson, which I think you guys probably get lumped in with a lot. Is that Marilyn Manson that yep. that industrial heavy metal, anything Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson? You guys get lumped into that category, pretty much. Yeah, and I like some of this stuff. I like I, I like Rob Zombie, pretty much anything he does. White Zombie solo stuff. I love mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, <laughs> I uh, I used to do Rob Zombie for Halloween, so apparently I'm doing it again for CreepyCon. Yeah, catch Lance uh, as Rob Zombie uh, at CreepyCon. And I, uh, <laughs> I I like uh, with Marilyn Manson. I'm not a fan, but I like every now and then a song will come out, and I'll be like. Ooh, I like the more, I guess, poppy stuff. I like mm-hmm. the, the dope show, and I don't like the drugs, but drugs like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything he covers, except for, God, I fucking hate, 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 Sweet Dreams. So bad. <laughs> so bad. So bad. The music video has Captain America, though. Hmm? Steve, uh, the guy who plays Captain America is in that music video. Chris Evans? Yeah, because he was in a Not Another Teen movie. No, no, you're, that's, you're, uh, that's Tainted thinking, Love. Yeah, yeah, that's Tainted Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is 100% correct. And a bunch of people are in that video. Plus, oh, what's it? Skylar Lee from uh, the, the, the Janie Briggs from Not Another Teen. Oh, she's so cute. 
<laughs> was on that 80s show. She's adorable. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I can't get into much of that stuff, but every once in a blue moon, I will. Uh, I, I will. Hey, Mitch. We'll cut it. I don't know. We'll cut it. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> we'll drink it. <laughs> that seems like one of their guests, maybe. They seem like smoothie people. Yeah, not me. No, there's still more if you want one. Uh, all right, so where's the roll? How many has he had? I don't know. <laughs> oh, but, we've been going since like noon, so. Duh. <laughs> But anyway, so, uh, yeah, I can't get into much of uh, Marilyn Manson stuff. Like I said, I hate Sweet Dreams with a passion. Uh, but I like most of the covers. Uh, uh, again, the Soft Cell, Tainted Love, which was a cover in and of itself, if you didn't know. Oh, I knew yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an old uh, black soul singer, and I think she was married to Bolin from T-Rex, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but anyway, um, so I can't get into that much of stuff. That's why I said I don't like the genre, but I like your stuff. I really, I really enjoy it. Um, so that's your first real sp- like thing you remember latching onto was uh, yep. Nice. That's that's. I mean, that's that's what kind of got me into industrial music in general, um, and then of course getting more into industrial and industrial metal and other kinds of music altogether throughout middle and high school is what kind of drove me into. You know what? I could do something like this. I could yeah. totally do this. I mean, I can play instruments. Why not? So. I, uh, I was a little, again a little older, so I was a hair metal guy. Oh. That was the first thing I remember loving. I had the first record. I do you remember the first thing you ever owned musically, like mm-hmm. that you bought like with your own money? No, I can't. I do. Again, it was a cassette. <laughs> Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry. Hell nice. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I remember, and the second thing was Quiet Riot, Metal Health. <laughs> so like I was a hair metal guy. Yeah. Uh, that's why in high school when grunge came along and alternative, I was kind of mad. I was like, who's that? What's up with these mopey sweater wearing sons of bitches? <laughs> we don't, you don't want any famous? Take. <laughs> Bring back the cocaine and makeup. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking give me people who wear leather pants in the shower and drink Jack Daniels right in the bottle. I, that's what I wanted. And um, there were a few things I liked, you know, STP, and I liked uh-huh. Pearl Jam, and I got into some of that shit. Um, and then some of the alternative stuff I, I would get into, some of the weird stuff. But uh, typically, it's not my thing. Um, have you found, as a music fan, a huge change in your tastes as you got older? Uh, as, as again, not with a band. I know that's a little different, but with you, do you listen to shit you didn't listen to? Listen to stuff again and go, oh, that's not as bad as seventeen-year-old me thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, you know, because I grew up listening to like different kinds of music because of my parents having different tastes, I never really stopped listening to things that you would typically think, oh, well, I'm not going to listen to that because I'm into you know Pantera or Metallica or Nine Inch Nails or whatever. Which those first two I was never really into. But um, growing up, I kind of feel like listening to genres of music outside of things that I typically listen to uh, kind of help with the creative process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm also a big fan of Enigma. Oh, love Enigma. Yeah. I love Enigma. They, he actually put out an album, uh, I think it was a couple of days before or a couple of days after we released our album. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to it and just thinking, this is just fantastic. Yeah. Like just, his, his production skill is just phenomenal. And that's another artist that's all that's done with one person. Really? In his own little home studio, yeah. Okay, so then is the chanting all him too? or is he? It's all samples. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought that we came from somebody He's else. actually gotten in trouble a lot for utilizing a bunch of samples that he used without permission. Oh, yeah. that's a big thing. You gotta, So you got to <laughs> yeah. watch yourself. I mean, yeah. like... 
there's uh, and again I listen to so much stuff you listen to like uh, you know early rap and it was just everything and now it's like oh you gotta watch your shit you gotta pay for this yeah, yeah. Uh, which is so crazy so crazy everyone's looking to make a dollar off something oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's legitimate and sometimes yeah. you're like what I remember Led Zeppelin suing Pearl Jam and I thought mm-hmm. then I was like that's that's a pot calling the kettle black uh, <laughs> I was like I don't know if you've looked at your own catalog there, Zeppy Babies, but uh, didn't write a lot of that shit. So that's uh, that's pretty ballsy of you to step out to Pearl Jam and go, we don't think that's wrong. That actually reminds me of an instance where um, Prince had covered a Radiohead song live. Yeah. And somebody yeah. had recorded the video of it and posted it online, and Prince's people demanded to have it taken yeah, down. Yeah, because he was super anti-YouTube. He yeah. was like, nope, 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 nope. But nope, Radiohead nope. was like, wait, hold on a second. That's our song. Yeah, we, we want, want to hear it. Yeah, we want to keep that up. <laughs> so it was like this big, huge debacle, and YouTube, I think, ended up keeping it up. That's great. Yeah, I remember hearing that, and uh, I was like, that, and there's another band I can't take too much Radiohead, but every now and then a couple songs will come out, and Creep is a great song, mm-hmm. and I would have loved to have heard it. I'll have to look for that, because I have not ever heard it. I remember the controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, did did you start doing covers? I know that's a big band thing is to start with covers. When DeConbrio started, was it covers and stuff? No, I actually, I tried to focus more on original stuff. Um, I had the, the desire to do covers for a long time, but I just, I never really got into it all that much until recently when I decided, you know what, I think it'd be kind of fun to play around with some covers. Um, I think the first one we ended up doing was the cover of Sledgehammer. Which is great. Yep, uh, love yeah. that. That's mm-hmm. great. And then uh, after that, we did a cover of Guilty by Gravity Kills, which is actually on one of our EPs. Don't know that specifically. So, okay. How, do you get permission to do it? How do you, how do you guys do that? Okay, well, the Sledgehammer one we kind of did under the radar. And I know live, you can do anything. Yeah, live, because yeah, yeah. people, the, the, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, you cannot do somebody else's work with the intentions of making money. So on a record, people buy that because they're buying that song. But at a concert, you can pull anything out of your ass because people are not there to hear that song. Right. And so technically, mm-hmm. you're not making music on that. Is that correct? Yeah. For the most part, yeah. But there are still also like stipulations to where like, if you get caught doing a cover song live, you can still get in trouble and really? soak in the venue. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty much... Because again, you think like, you know, even Garth Brooks goes out and does Kiss covers. And I know he can pay for it. But mm-hmm. again, you didn't show up to hear Garth Brooks yeah. and there are bands at that level that are that are you know like I love the sword and clutch and stuff mm-hmm. like that and those bands are at a level where they're enough under the spotlight to get you know noticed if they do something fucked up mm-hmm. but distance enough to where again it's not going to be Garth Brooks doing you know kiss yeah and so I was wondering because I see them do covers and stuff and you're like are you, are you guys paying for that or is that yeah. just because it's live that's not why they're here but I mean for for the most part, that is pretty much the mindset of like if you're going to throw a cover in your live set, they're not there to see you play that live right. cover song. They're here to see you. So if you happen to do a cover song, I mean that's kind of you can get away with that a little bit. Yeah, I always went. I knew on records you had to pay for that shit. That's a big thing that yeah. you have to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's neat, you know, to when like um, movies will get a song for a movie, but the artist won't let them put it on the soundtrack. Oh. You know, Days to Confuse. That's a big one. There's a ton of songs that aren't on the soundtrack. Really? Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, I think Aerosmith isn't on there. I think Sweet Emotions won. There's a Bob Dylan song, but yeah, they're not on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Woodstock, you know, the the concert Woodstock filmed, made the movie, made the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. A ton of people don't know, like CCR and a bunch of other bands that don't have any credit for being at Woodstock were at Woodstock because they either wouldn't sign the release, had shitty footage, and mm-hmm. so people are like, no, no, it's just these bands. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> there was a bajillion bands there and yeah. people you don't expect to be there, so... Uh, so I always find that interesting when a, an artist's like, yeah, using a movie. Nah, but don't put it on the soundtrack. Nah, fuck that. I don't want, no. I don't get that. So um, 
I've always been curious about this. When you do, um, you know, the the, the background <clears throat> stuff, uh, what is the difference in producing and engineering? Where Where is the difference line? Because to me, the descriptions sound the same, and that's why I, I never understood it. So if you're doing both, what is it? Well, I, I think if, if you want to pull it to its rawest definitions, the engineer is basically the guy who kind of, you know, moves the sliders and pushes the record button. Got it. Uh, he's, he's the one who knows the equipment and knows how to, to get the right take. The producer is the one who will go through and be like, okay, that was a great take, but try it again with a little bit more, like, uh, anger or a little bit more sadness or, you know, play this guitar, like, a little different, like an octave higher or maybe try a different drum fill. You know, he's the he's the guy who's like, you know, we can do this better. Let's try this kind a of thing. A little more cowbell. Yes, a little more cowbell, yes. So basically what you have is the engineer is the soldier the producer is the general. Pretty much. Yeah. Got it. Got yeah. it. So you, the, the producer will tell the engineer where to fire the shot, and the engineer will then fire the shot. Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. So is there a side of it you like best, you know, from live footage or live, you know, uh, performance to recording to, again, the producing side, what writing? What, what's your favorite, like, position? What's your favorite hat to wear? My, my favorite hat to wear? I mean, in terms of like recording, producing, Yeah, like which part live. do you look forward to the most? I look forward to finishing a live set. Okay. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> there's so much, uh, because all the production that goes into the music itself, all the production that goes into like backing tracks mm-hmm. and all the, the gear that we have to have work, you know, during that entire 30 to 45, 50 minute set, whatever. It's, it's very stressful, especially being the one person that is in charge of all of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Comedy is so, very similar. So, yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, you know, once once it gets down to, like, you know, we're halfway through the very last song on our set, that's just like, oh, that's the point I look forward to. Because I'm like, we did it. We got through it. There weren't as many mistakes. And I think we're good. <laughs> nice. Nobody noticed. Nice. Um, no, but I think in all seriousness, though, I, I think I really enjoy producing because it, it kind of gives me the chance to just experiment, you know. Right. Do something and just like okay, let me try doing something like this, or you know, try a different keyboard sound or a g- different guitar effect, or you know, let's layer these vocals together and see what we can come up with, kind of thing. Do you find that the most creative part of it? The the producing, yeah, yeah, I think so. That, that I kind of, for me personally, because I have a home studio, I get to lump uh, producing with the writing. So I can kind of sit there and just kind of come up with a skeleton of the song. I'm like, okay, this is good. Let's add a couple of layers here, add a couple of layers here, take some layers off of there. You know, just kind of flesh it out a bit. And just kind of, it's, it's basically just, you know, you have this blank canvas, which is just an empty, you know, recording session. You get to, you know, paint in your, your bottom layer, which, you know, for a Bob Ross painting would be your, your skies and your, your background mountains. Yeah. And then you just get to add little happy little trees every here, you know, every... So that brings me to, uh, again, one of those things that I think uh, comedy and music very similar. And, and I, again, I did both. I played in a garage band for a while, like a little power trio, Sabbath, stoner rock band. What was your name? Uh, B-W-A-N. For the record, I never <laughs> liked the name, but um, it was two out of three, so I took it. Uh, and it stood for a band without a name because we could never come up with something. So we come up with b w Again, not my choice. I voted against it, but I got outvoted. We got a lot of blondes. Uh, we finally just uh, it was it was in the George Bush era of the world, so we called ourselves B Dub uh, most oh, of the time. Yeah, and uh, but then we had to explain it to everybody, uh, so it still had to come out there. So it didn't really work. Yeah, no, no, it didn't really work. And uh, so yeah, we did uh, you know Sabbath covers and and stuff like that, and much Cream, and so and I, I played bass and sang, and um, 
I loved it. I loved it. As a comic, um, I like comedy better, but I wish I could still do both. Actually, this year, I've, being poor, a parent, and a comic, I've sold all my gear over the years. So, you know, it's so much stuff I wanted back. So, <laughs> I'm sure you've been there, too. So many pieces, you're like, I wish I had that amp back, that guitar back. You know, because you're, you're a, a, you know, a married, you've got kids, you understand. Mm-hmm. Some, there is a point where you're like... I don't need both of those. <laughs> and so it comes. And so I've sold off all my gear. But this year with our taxes, my wife was like, you know what? Get yourself a guitar. And I was like, oh, I, I, that, I'd love that. So I bought myself a guitar and I'm looking for a good amp now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wanting to get back into it. And I don't want to be in a band. I'd love to, but I just want to play around the house. But the the, the similarities are very, uh, um, I think, again, um, um, uh, uh, translatable. Um, you know, being on stage. I, I like comedy better because um, I think the highs are higher no the lows are lower and you don't have to put up a lot of bullshit and again i guess with your a band leader you can skip a lot of this but if you're in a you know like a a, a band where everybody has a little bit of control you've always got that well i can't practice on thursday my girlfriend wants to get together <laughs> and you know i don't have to deal with that if i want to do a show i do a show you know yeah and i don't uh have to deal with uh, no 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 the the bridge should go like this pop 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 and you know you're like no i should go like this pop 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 and those moments with a you know band arguments and i don't miss those at all and so if i want to write a joke a certain way fuck it i write it Mm -hmm. but when it comes to the stage you know if you know how to be in front of an audience and work a mic those skills translate the same oh yeah and what i have found was that when the high goes off it's much higher than with the band but at the same time when you fuck up, there's you can't blame the bass player. There's no you know rhythm guitarist to cover your mistake. You're mm-hmm. out there with just your dick in your hand, and it's like, oh, I did this. And yes. so the lows are lower, but um, writing-wise, that's what I, was, what I wanted to get to. With comedians, there are multiple styles, and, and typically we fall into two camps. There's the, I will sit down and write for five hours every week. I'm going to sit and write. And then there's the, oh, there's an idea. Let me jot this down. I'm a jot this down, except minus a jot this down. But I get ideas. I don't sit to write. Musicians are the same way, typically. There's the, today I will write a song. And then there's the, you know, like, oh, my God, look at that sunset. That inspires me. And you sit and write it. Where do you fall on that scale? What's your writing process? I'm, I'm very much a, God damn it, I'm at work. I really want to be recording something right now. Um, it's like at, having ADHD, my brain's just like it's constantly wanting to do creative stuff. Um, Thankfully, I'm I'm in a position like my job is very. It's a creative position. You know, I work as a UI designer, so I get to still do creative stuff. You know, in my day to day, but I get those moments where I'm just like, oh, I have an idea for a song. I really I, I got to try to remember this, and then by the time I get home, I've completely forgotten it. So, dude, I've done that with so many jokes, <laughs> so many jokes. Actually, I missed my exit coming here today because something funny happened to me, and I was writing the joke in my head. And I actually was like, when I get there, I'm going to open the show show with that story. Do you guys recall me telling a story similar? No. No, because no, I actually <laughs> forgot about it till just now. But it was enough that I thought, well, I missed my exit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I get those moments where yeah. you're like, yeah, that's the greatest. What was I thinking? Yeah. I've, I've tried to do the whole, like, I'm going to sit down for, like, five hours. And I, can't. Write a song. I, I can't. Like, it's just forcing the inspiration doesn't really work for me. But, but I've, I've known a lot of people in the music scene in the art scene comedy scene whatever it's like you, you kind of have to just kind of dick around with it until the inspiration comes don't just sit around and wait for the inspiration to come to yeah. you um, I don't necessarily have that problem because I just the inspiration kind of comes at, at me in spurts so it's just a matter of am I going to be near an instrument when that happens and most of the time that's not the case 
But it's, it is fortunate that I have the home studio. I don't have to worry about, you know, oh, am I going to have to, you know, try yeah. to remember this by the time I get yeah. to, you know, my friend's house or, or whatever. Like, I just go in the other room and record it. I think um, I think with music, it's a little easier because you could pick up a guitar or a piano and just bink, 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 bink. I think you have something to um, uh, 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 jump the car into third, you know. I mm-hmm. think you have to, you can pop the clutch in musically a little different than comedy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't write anything. I don't, I, I mean, I don't write anything down except for like a set list. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, again, like musicians will tape a set list to the, 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 the monitor so nobody can see it, but you can still glance down. Yep. I take a set list with, especially if I'm doing more than 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing less than 20 minutes, I'm good. But if I'm doing 20 minutes or more, um, I'll take a set list and just set it there with my beer on the stool. Which is similar so, to what musicians do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you can't see it. Yeah. it does, I don't make it obvious. You know, I go to get my drink. I look down. I know where I'm at, and I keep my train of thought. Um, I can't. St- I can't stand. I know you've seen comics do this. I can't stand the the book in hand, mm-hmm. the phone out. Now, if it's your shtick, like Ben Kronberg, I don't know if you're familiar with Ben Kronberg. Mm-hmm. Hilarious comedian, absolutely brilliant. Um, was on Last Comic Standing and got told to go fuck himself by Roseanne. <laughs> um, and I thought the gag was brilliant. I loved the joke he did. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, but he he comes out and like pulls a notebook out. And, and the awkward reading of it is part of the character. Right. And so I get that. Um, 90% of the people at the open mic are not pretending to be Ben Kronberg. Mm-hmm. They really are legitimately pulling out their phone and notebook. <laughs> and I can't. Like from day one, because I, I didn't know I could do that. I, you know, were you limited by stuff like that musically? Where you're like, wait, I didn't. I've been doing it this way because I didn't know that was an option. The unwritten rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you yeah. have you found things where you For, were like, yeah. give me an example. What's what's well, one hell, that even recently? You know, I just I found out when I was recording guitars. Uh, I use uh, software. VSTs to like amplify the guitars, like basically like simulators for the guitar amps. It makes it easier than you know recording with an actual amp. And yeah, that's pretty common now. That's pretty common now. Yeah. Um. So like the Line Six and shit like that. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I, I know of it. So I've never used it, but I, I have this, uh, this software called Amplitude, and for a long time I would have you know anywhere between two and four guitar tracks. You know, right. each one hard pan left and right. But I had the the plugins all set up on each individual track, which was eating up a lot of computer power. I didn't realize that, okay, well, I can just have these two clean guitar tracks going into a separate track that has right. the, the plug-in as a single entity right. and have a you know hard pan left and right, and it's only using half the processor Right, power. you could take the two, mix them together, and then yeah. put them in the mix, yeah. Which is something that like I've, I've known about for a while. I just never really was like, well, let me actually you know put this to practice. And I finally put it to practice. It's like, why did I not think to do this sooner? Yeah, <laughs> the, the very first time I went to do comedy, um, I got invited to an open mic. It was a lifelong dream. I'm a huge like old-school Carlin fan. Mm. I was watching Carlin with my mom when I was about five, which is way too young young to be watching Carlin with your mom. Uh, it was a different world, you know? Uh, and so um, I, I've always wanted to do it. Happened to get the opportunity. I go, and I didn't, I didn't never thought about taking notes, you know, having a book. And I, I, I had like 24 hours notice. My friend was like, hey, uh, you know, when can I do this? And he was like, tomorrow at 8. And I was like, god damn it, okay. And so I'm at work, you know, doing my cleaning duties after the job, um, writing a set in my head and rehearsing. And I get to the open mic, again, talking to myself literally for 24 hours. It sounds like I'm schizophrenic, you know, because I'm like, ha, 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 what about airplane food? Ha, ha, And I'm going through this in my head, and I'm talking out loud. And uh, so I get there, and I walk in, and the first guy I see has one of these black and white cow print composition books. And he was a, a local legend. He was an old 
pill popping pill billy like who would nod out at the mic hell yeah uh yeah dude he was and the crazy thing is sometimes audiences would think it was like some larry the cable guy meets andy kaufman kind of thing and they're just dying laughing and you're like dude he's really fucking nodding out he's really invested in that <laughs> yeah, attic yeah, character. yeah and so he would he would he was standing up there he's the first and I, I think this is one of those things you always tell up-and-comers go check it out somebody will be shittier than you imagine you could ever be and i walked in and he was had this cow print uh notebook and he was up there reading what do you get when you cross a zombie with a lesbian you know like and i I think that's an actual joke i may be misquoting it but i'm that's not far off and uh the punchline was something like you know like uh, a girl that only wants to eat pussy it was just like (laughs) it was awful it was awful he's a local legend it was funny because it's so awful yeah and so people are dying i saw him um i he he was around a lot of open mics i saw josh blue who's brilliant comedian um and they do an open mic after they used to at the comedy club here and he was on that open mic well the audience was dying because they again thought it was some larry the cable guy andy kaufman type andrew dice clay they thought it was like you know a character and they're rolling um, he gets the light, which in you know comedy terms means you fucking wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, do they have something like that in music? Do they have a thing where does the does like the sound guy give you the light and tell you you're done? <laughs> Not necessarily. Uh, we've had a, actually we've had an instance where the sound guy just cut our sound. Oh damn! <laughs> well, <laughs> apropos to where I was going, uh, he gets the light. He ignores the light. They turn on the music. Again, in comedy, not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think in a band, if you were playing and the house PA just started playing like Miley Cyrus Party in the USA over you, you're like, that's our cue. Uh, he did not get the message. They finally turned the lights off on the stage and turned the mic off. And he fi- even kept going for a minute. Like, it took him a second to slide into home base. Uh, hell of a commitment there. <laughs> well, again, when you're peeled out of your brain, you actually don't notice these things. You really think he didn't notice? He was so fucked up? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. I do. <laughs> and um, so uh, he was a nut. But he was on stage reading these god-awful poems of, of white trashery from his <laughs> notebook. And I thought, I can do this. <laughs> I went up. I did my set, and like for the first three or four months that I did comedy, I didn't even know I could take notes, like like a set list. Mm-hmm. And then somebody told me that uh, again, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that's brilliant. Just just a little paper, you mm-hmm. know. Don't take a fucking you know. You don't need a composition book. You just take a little paper. And I used to love when I was first started doing it. My wife would find them like in the laundry afterwards, and it's just <laughs> literally this like laundry list of like dick joke titles, <laughs> and uh, some of them would have her name in it, and she, she would she would always spring to me like, "What the fuck is this?" And I'll be like, "That's my set list from last night," and I'd have to explain, and she was like, "Why is my what is Lindsay is retarded me?" And I was like, <laughs> Baby, no, I love you, uh, <laughs> but I also love take my wife please style jokes. So, yep. uh, and she's been there. Um, uh, and you, you actually work with your wife. Uh, mm-hmm. She's in the band. Yep, she's a keyboardist. Is, uh, uh, yeah, wonderful, absolutely fantastic. Um, she also does some backup vocals and stuff. Correct. Um, but uh, she's done vocals on on recording. She hasn't done vocals live yet. I I'm still I'm that. still trying to get her to do it. Uh, we. We did a cover of Baby It's Cold Outside a few years back. Uh, that's what I'm thinking of. That's where and, I heard Yeah, it. we did that. And uh, the last uh, Nightmares Before Christmas that we did last year, we were trying to uh, get it together to where her and I would do like a duet of right. that song live, but we never got around to actually practicing it because it was right around the time that we were like in the process of moving and a bunch of other stuff like work transitions and everything. So right. we didn't get a chance to rehearse it. 
So again, I, as a comedian who tells jokes about my wife on stage with her in the audience, <laughs> I, it, uh, and it, it, it took a while. She uh, she's adjusted now and she accepts it, but she she did have a rough transition. What is the the what's the Fleetwood Mac? You know what what goes on being in a band with your wife? How crazy is that? I mean, it's not really that crazy. I mean, it she, sounds fun. Like I love being married. I know a lot of people. Again, I I love take my wife please jokes, but I love yeah. being married. So one of the things that sticks me from having to go on the being able to go on the road like a comedian is mm-hmm. I do have the wife, the kids, day job responsibility. Mm-hmm. But if I could do the, if I was rich enough, if I went straight to Seinfeld money and could pack us all up and take, I, that'd be great. I'm all for that. Yeah. So you know, I know a lot of people would be like, you work with your wife. That's crazy. I used to have the job with my wife. We worked together. I was yeah. her supervisor, and we it was great we got to see each other all the time and I, I, I loved it there were moments you know where we step on each other's toes mm-hmm. um do you being the driving force and i think that's fair and you know not to say that the band is not important but you are the driving force of the band correct yeah we'll go with that okay <laughs> i mean and that don't I, forget my wife is in the band with me yeah so technically she's the driving force uh, but we'll, we'll go ahead I, and- I think every band should have that i think yeah. if you go too democratic you have problems i think mm-hmm. if you have one kind of leader you know again that john fogarty uh the the the, the james hetfields or whatever i think if you have those people your band is better off because mm-hmm. it has an engine to the car yeah Every part's important. Every tire, every you know, oil pressure gauge, everything's important. But there is an engine that drives the whole thing. And yeah. I think um, being that and having your wife in the band, are there moments where, like behind the scenes, where she's like, no, 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 I really do think the bridge should be like, ba, 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 ba. And you have that moment where you're like, damn it, do I don't, and nobody else. Do you have those moments? Like, well, as far as live stuff is concerned, uh, she typically will come up to me and criticize my inability to talk to the crowd between songs. Got it. Um, and that's not I, easy. That's not an easy skill. It's No, it's not. And I, I feel like I'm getting better at it, but I could just be lying to myself. I don't know. Um, <laughs> she She's very good at kind of, you know, dialing in my stage persona, I guess, okay. when, it, when it comes to live stuff. Uh, typically, I don't get a lot of uh, the members coming up to me and saying, hey, I think the bridge should go like this or whatever. Even though I've, I've asked them, like, hey, if you have any ideas for these songs... Feel free to let me know. Ashley's usually the one that's like, you know, when we're recording songs, she'll be like, okay, this was great, but it sucks. Let's do it again mm-hmm. and just do it better kind of thing. She'll give me some ideas like, you know, let's try it with more, you know, emphasis on the anger, more emphasis on the whatever. You know, I think this this keyboard melody should be turned up. I think this should be turned down. We should just get rid of this altogether. I should quit the band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Again, the Fleetwood Mac comes yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. no, I, I feel like she, she understands uh, what I'm trying to do creatively. And she is... Basically, just trying to dial that in. She's cool. trying to help me dial it in. She's trying to help me kind of focus in on what it is I'm trying to do. Like the steering wheel to your engine. I like yes, it. Yes, she's the there steering wheel. Yes. <laughs> Again, no matter how much credit he gets, the yeah. great Terry Snow does not get enough. <laughs> Give it up for the man, Terry Snow. Thank that's you. exactly right. No, that's brilliant. Terry that's Snow great. is the steering wheel. Yeah, of that's Debbie great. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But uh, that's great. That's great. Um, so, comes to this. Did you marry your keyboard player, or did you hire your wife? <laughs> God, um, yes. Okay, fair enough. Right. That checks out. Uh, Terry's got that pulled up on the computer. That checks out. That's good. That's, That's good. Uh, verified on Snopes. Yeah. Uh, yep, good. All right. No, Great. We, we, were, we were together uh, for a while before she joined the band. Um, you know, we had a really strong relationship. We got married after 
the fact. I actually uh, remember your wedding. Um, yep. I wasn't there, but I had just met you for uh, JC's album recording. That mm-hmm. was around, uh, the same day, actually, was it not? I don't think so. I thought you guys had came straight from there. I remember uh, the, the you guys were all dressed up and the picture hurt. But it, it, at a show similar, uh, I think you guys had came to a show at Sassy Ann's mm-hmm. the night of your wedding. You guys Because you guys were still in like full wedding ensemble. And I was Possibly. like, oh. And it, you guys stood out. I didn't know who you were at the mm-hmm. time. And I was like, oh, those are some pretty slick looking dudes. I wonder what's <laughs> going on there. And um, then at, slowly after that, I met you because you would help with JC's. Uh, you produced that? What did you do for his? You, I, know I you... put together the album artwork for him. Okay. And Jay. You also did Jay's yep. mm-hmm. uh, album. So awesome. Yep. Do you do that for uh, uh, bands as well? I mean, obviously, you've done it for your own. Yeah. I mean, I try to. I don't I don't typically promote my work because and, and this is going to sound really terrible, and I don't mean it the way it's going to sound, but it's the only way I can really describe That's it. That's our specialty here, to be honest. There, there are a lot of people in the scene that promote themselves as graphic designers. They're not the best graphic designers, and they sell themselves really cheap. And everybody works with them. Got it. Um, I feel like, you know, where I'm at with my graphic design skills and everything, like, I've worked with a lot of people, you know, over the years. Uh, I've honed in my skills. You know, I've been doing it for, God, 15 years professionally at least. So you were doing that before the band? I was actually, I started graphic design the same time that I started music. Because it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I want to do the band thing. I can do everything myself. Great. Okay, well, what happens if I want to put together a CD? I'm going to have to hire somebody to do the graphic design. Or I could just do it myself. And that's kind of where that all nice. snowballed nice. into me doing graphic I design. I will remember that when it comes my time to record an album. I'll, yeah. I'll know where to go. Yeah, just hit me uh, up. And, you know, I, that's one of those things that I, I, I think about. And as a mm-hmm. band, you have to have that moment where you're like, are, are we ready? Is that what we do? Is, is, it, is it album time? Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of friends of mine have done it. And, you know, I've, I've headlined, so I know I can do 45, 50 minutes, which is a comedy record. So, um I am thinking, oh, maybe it's that time. So I'll remember that because, again, I always wonder, who does that shit? I don't – I'm terrible with the business side. I'm terrible with the business side. Oh, yeah, me too. And that's another thing where Ashley kind of steps in and is just like, I'll, I'll take care of this. Good. Don't worry about it. I know you suck at it. I'm like, yes, I suck at it. I've sucked at it for so many years. Um, talk to the people you don't want to talk to yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah. now if, if Lindsay had the skill and ability and the desire to be like, I'll be your manager, I'd let her do it in a heartbeat. I'd be like, fuck, yeah. yeah. Sweet. Uh, that'd be great. You know, Take as big a cut as you want. You know why? All coming to the same place. I'm cool yep. with that. Exactly. Exactly. You're screwing me in the bedroom and in the banks? That's great. <laughs> I'm all for it. Smart move. Who else are you picking it to? Only in the banks, not the bedroom. Who else? Well, I don't know. How, does one connect to the other? We'll talk. Um, that this is like a human centipede thing you know, going I mean, on hey, here? Jesus. If it paid enough, I'd give it a listen, right? Uh, I'm not saying... That's not we, how polyamory works. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's a, that's a whole other subject. But I did have something I wanted to you know, kind of come back to the Facebook thing. And um, music, especially your way, has benefited you greatly. But with um, comedy, with music, with podcasts, there has been such a shift in technology for the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to, great, everybody can do it. But the problem is, great, everybody can do it. And that's the problem. And it's not even just that everybody can do it. Everybody is doing it. It's so much harder. And I I tried to explain this to my wife the other day. Uh, We watched a video on, um, uh, I think, comedy, humor, funny or die. And it was like, don't start a podcast. Have you seen this? Have you seen this fun this joke? Uh, I think I have. Yeah, it's actually very funny. This guy's, you know, this nerdy guy stops another guy at work and is like, "Hey, man, uh, you got to tune into my Wings on Wings or something." And it's where he eats hot wings and uh, uh, watches wings. Yeah, or watches the West. I have wing. seen that. That was like, and the guy's like, "Hey, I just want you to know, don't do that." 
<laughs> he was like, and so the whole skit is the one guy defending it and getting real passionate. He's like, but I think there's a, there's an audience, but there's an audience people want. And the whole guy just keeps going, don't do that, no, no. And nope. he, he goes off on him. And my wife was like, that's mean. And I was like, no, it's true. And I was like, look, and I'm benefiting from this too. I'm taking advantage of the, the fact. But the problem is, and this is how I explained it, and I think music is the same thing where there was a time when there was the Led Zeppelins and the Deep Purples and these bands. It was different because there wasn't so much bullshit to weed out. Mm -hmm. And it was easier for the good to rise to the top. You still had bullshit, but there was less of it. And it was so much easier for the Stones, the Beatles, and these other bands that were really unique and really talented and hopefully would have made it even in today, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. Because now, because everybody can do it. You look at it like a a a geo formation picture you would see in science class of like rock layers. At the bottom, there is the you have because I think you have to have three things. I think you have to have talent. I think you have to have a neat idea, and you have to make a good product. Now, at the bottom, there's this whole sedimentary level of have zero of these and should get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you want to do it. That's great. I admire that. Like shitty comedians at open mics, mm-hmm. I'm glad you're here. Way to go. You're ahead of normal people. You gave it a shot. Mm-hmm. But you have none of what it takes to make it and will never get past this level. But what you are doing is bogging down the next level of people that have, say, one of these things. All right, well, if you have the talent, but you have shitty product and a bad idea, somebody may still see it and go, well, come on, we, we can work with you. Yeah. If you have you know great production, somebody will see that and go, well, you could help me mm-hmm. and do my thing because you, what you're doing is great. And if you have an awesome idea, somebody will be like, hey, you're terrible at this, but <laughs> I've got good production, and we're pretty funny together. I think we can make this idea work. Mm-hmm. So there's people getting lost in that bottom level. But the people that do rise up do rise up. And again, it starts filtering out to the next level, two of these. Mm-hmm. And to the, you get to the people that have three of these, and then you get to the, the five, the Led Zeppelins, the Black Sabbaths, the Deep Purples, who not only have all three of these but have them in fucking spades yeah <laughs> and then you add the right timing mm-hmm. that person the john hammond who sees you at a club the the colonel parker who gets that record randomly from sam phillips you know you get that moment that that's that extra kicker that pushes you to the the the, the, the sunshine of the top of the the, the dermis <laughs> of, of earth mm-hmm. um and there are so many podcasts, so many bands, so many comedians that are terrible, that are getting work because they're hitting <laughs> that that one random getting spotted, and they can do it themselves, but you're like, damn it, you're in my way. I applaud you, but you're in my way. Mm-hmm. You go back before that. You go back to the birth of that, correct? If you've been doing this this long, you go back to the MySpace and a little before, before yep. YouTube was a thing mm-hmm. on any ground, before you could do it. Um, being a part of that generational switch, um, are you glad you got in before? Um, do you wish you would have got in way before? Like, how do you feel about the way it has changed? And again, the the fuck nuts that are in your way that shouldn't be. <laughs> well, as as I progressed as a producer and a musician, I'm I'm always going to look back and think to myself, God, I wish I'd known then what I know now. There, there's always going to be those times, and that's. Essentially a big reason why I'm doing the 10th anniversary of our first album, Obsessions of a False Idol. Because mm-hmm. um, I've seen, and this is one of those things where it's like, it's. I think it's kind of a cool idea. Where a lot of bands will do like a remastered version of an album that they released 10 years ago. Garage days. Yeah. Well, I mean, just 
you know, there's just a lot of bands in general that do it. You know, Nine Inch Nails has done it. I think Foo Fighters has done it. You know, there's a bunch of bands that they'll just remaster their first album or an album that was big 10 years ago. I'm a big Tom Waits fan. He does it all the time with his right. shit and really releases So it. the idea that I had was, okay, let's just not remaster it. Let's go back to, like, the raw essence of the songs and rebuild them with what I know now. You know, kind of taking that 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 whole like I wish I knew them what I know now. Well, so you I know re-recorded it. them? Yes. Oh, I'm actually re-recording the album from scratch. Oh. You know, basically doing the whole knowing then what I know now, doing it now. Oh, that's great. So I just figured it'd be a really fun idea. You know, also yeah. the fact that the the original album I released for free and it's mm-hmm. still available for free, but I figured this is an option to kind of you know spruce it up. And I've had a lot of people over the years like, hey, when am I going to get a CD of this album? You're not because it's it's a free digital album, but I thought to myself, okay, well, what if I did do a physical version of this? I would want it to be up to par with all the recent stuff that I've done. So that's that's another reason why I came up with the idea of just actually re-recording it from scratch. Are you worried that some of that angsty young thing is gone and you can't capture some of that lightning in a bottle? No, no, uh, not at all. Know? No, um, I, I feel like I just. Listen, because right now I have a bunch of the instrumentals done, and I'll just listen to them in the car, sing along to them and whatnot, and just kind of, I guess, put myself into the mindset of where it was 10 years ago um, and compile it with everything that has happened over the last 10 years and kind of almost give the songs a new energy. Um, How's the voice sound compared to 10 years ago? Older. <laughs> I mean, that's no, not always um, bad. That's no, not a bad no, thing. Not, I know no, a lot no. of singers that um, got better as they got older. A lot yeah, of singers. No, definitely. Um, I feel like I can definitely hit the mark a lot better than I did 10 years ago. Uh, I was very just, I was a weak performer back then. Um, and I was very much like, a, you know, I'll fix it in post. kind of, yeah, yeah. You know, but now it's just like, you know what? I, I don't want to have to fix it in post. I want to get it right in the take and then just kind of maybe just polish it a little bit and have it ready to go to kind of prove to people, yes, I can actually do this. This isn't just like, you know, auto-tuned garbage. How different was it with the technology? Oh, so much different. Better? Yeah, so much. Yeah, better. Um, I mean, well, back then I recorded all of the um, the the synth work in Fruity Loops. Okay, I remember Fruity pi- Loops. A pirated version of Fruity Loops is what I had. <laughs> and I, re- I, I got it off LimeWire. Yeah, yeah, I got it off yeah, LimeWire. Yeah. Um, and of course, I used a pirated version of Adobe Audition to mm-hmm. do like all the vocals and guitars and everything. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, I'm using. Uh, you know, legitimate software, uh, using better software. I actually have uh, more hardware, like actual synthesizers, uh, better drum machines, better equipment, actually, right. you know. And make- it makes a difference. Oh, yeah, it People does. don't get it. I tried to explain this to my wife We when I was playing, you know, getting a guitar. And I was like, well, I, she was making fun of me because I was real picky. And every, every musician is with their instrument, mm-hmm. you know. You have the brand you like. You have the feel you like. I want this. I don't want that. You know, no, no maple. I want rosewood. No rosewood. I want maple. I want mm. this. And um, she was just like, "You're an asshole." And I was like, "It's just <laughs> how musicians are. It's it's. Yeah. You know what you want." And she was like, well, "What?" And I was trying to do an amp. And I was like, "Well, I want something tube. I want so many watts, but I don't mm-hmm. want too big." If you get too big, you have no low volume, you know, and she, none of this makes sense to her. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I want a Fender or a Vox, you know, there are a few things outside of that I'll look at, but that's really what I'm after. Yeah. And she was just like, well, what are you planning to do? I was like, sit around and enjoy myself. But, and she was not getting it. And I finally just go, look, 
you play video games. You don't play video games for a living, but you still want it to be the best video gaming experience you can have when you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You want a good TV. You want the newest system. You So, I mean, like, you know, we're not super rich, but we have a decent TV and a PlayStation 4. It's like, yeah. you know, we, we want at least as good as we can get, and I want an amp that's as good as I can get. I know I can't get the $1,000 Marshall, but I can get what I want, and um, yeah. she just didn't get it. She didn't didn't understand that. And so now that you've not had to settle with that guitar you bought at a pawn shop that you it was the only thing you could afford at the time, right. now that you've been able to go forward and be like, well, actually, I like this. I like the humbucker. I prefer mm-hmm. the single coil here. And well, I, I personally, I still haven't gone that far as to like, you know, I want to change out my pickups to like EMG eighty ones, or I want to. You oh know, change right, the you're not that guy. Of, no, I just well, I mean, I, I have enough gear for me to be like, okay, I like the sound of this for this part, this for that part. I can kind of tweak everything, you know, as far as the the sound, like the EQs and, and tone and everything in the computer a little bit. Um, but overall, I mean, I've got. I feel like I, I've gotten to a point where I've got the gear that works best for me. Uh, Are not, you a gearhead with anything? No, 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 not really. Not even like the recording and the electronic side. Not really. Okay. No, right. no. Um, I mean, as far as keyboards, I definitely enjoy. Uh, you know, the keyboard that I have it's a Roland FAO six. Um, it's just it, it's such a powerful keyboard. It was thirteen hundred dollars. Actually, bought yeah. it on a whim. Wow. And I'm glad she did. <laughs> I would know nothing about that. I don't know yeah. anything about. I, I play guitar and I play bass, and so right. I'm familiar with that. And I am real picky. Actually, I bought this. Um, <laughs> Please do not come and get me customs, but I bought this shitty Chinese knockoff in the Canada Telecaster. Because, again, Lindsay was like, we found it. I was like, that's exactly what I want. I was like, I can't afford a real one. That's perfect. I was like, I don't give a shit if it's fake. You know, fuck it. And yeah. I decided to make a parts caster out of it. I, I am a bit of a guitar gearhead mm-hmm. when I play. And I was like, well, I'm going to take these tuners because I want these tuners. And I'm going to cut this out. And she was like, you're a nut. She's like, you're already fucking it up. You just got it. <laughs> and I'm like, but it, it's what I like. And I do enjoy that because right. I want to do a humbucker in the neck. And I actually am going to install a Les Paul style toggle switch mm-hmm. because I love, um, again, this is a bit techy, but you'll know what I'm talking about, taking um, uh, the tone pot out of the telly and putting two volume pots because mm-hmm. I love rolling that one down and just being able to toggle that in and out and get that electric. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Morello is real famous for it. Yeah. A lot of Led Zeppelin-y kind of stuff. And I love that. I used to have a one of the the Tele Deluxe Customs that have the humbucker and they have the Les Paul set up. Mm-hmm. And I love doing that. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And she's like, you're going to fuck it up. She's like, we just <laughs> bought it. You haven't even played it in an amp yet and you're going to fuck it up. And I was like, yes, dear. <laughs> I'll wait till I get an amp to fuck yeah. it up. Yeah, meanwhile, I have uh, an Epiphone Les Paul. Oh, those are great. It's it's a great guitar. Yeah. It's got some beautiful tone. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking heavy as shit yeah. But, uh, yeah um it actually has a a broken headstock Ooh. uh what happened was we had band practice a while back and the bass player at the time he had uh these two guitar racks uh on his bass amp it was like a full stack bass amp mm-hmm. so i put my guitar up there and i didn't realize that his bass cable had gotten underneath the guitar and he went to walk and the guitar came up off of the the rack and landed on the headstock and broke completely and those are glue-ons those are such a it is a glue-on isn't it no no it's, it's, not. it's part of the neck uh but i mean the the whole neck is a glue-on uh, uh yes those are impossible to replace yeah. so uh, well he, he went ahead and just like he drilled a couple holes in it and just put some dowels nice. in it and like re-glued it and, like you can still see the crack oh yeah but it still works i'm like I've, you know what it's it works it's fine it's the it's the first guitar i ever bought with my own money 
So it's like it has some sentimental value to it. Yeah. And it's like I don't want to mess with it, and you know, it still works. Fine, whatever. Let's do this. <laughs> I got uh, I had the the first I, the first real guitar I ever owned when my when I first started to play guitar. I used to, I was in the high school band. Did you do the band back in the day? No. See, I did. I was high school band actually from like fifth grade up through college. I played saxophone. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be Zoot uh, in the Electric Mayhem for the Muppets. Uh, that was my that's what I wanted to do. And in high school, some I got in my head I wanted to play guitar. And so my mom bought me a guitar and she bought me guitar lessons like every mom story goes, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they bought me um, this Yon- Yamaha Strat. And as any guitar player knows, again, my wife wouldn't, but any guitar player goes, that's not a Fender. <laughs> the, the neck's a little different. The body's a little different. I, I don't like the, this, you know. Yeah. And that's where I was. And so I, I had it forever. But eventually I got a chance to buy my first real Fender Stratocaster. Nice. Was at a music store. I had bought a Squire Telly, so I was in the middle there for a middle mm-hmm. in a minute. You know, I bought a Squire Telly, which was like it's it's kind of a fender. You know, it's kind of <laughs> the headstock looks right, everything looks good, but it's a bit of a piece of shit. So I started yeah. there, but then I got a chance to buy an actual Fender Stratocaster, the Jimmy Vaughn Tex-Mex Deluxe Signature. Small, you know, mm-hmm. I was working at a music store. I took the plastic off. I was so excited. <laughs> and uh, again, if I think about, because again, this is a guitar I sold. And if I thought about it, I'll cry. You know, but the when I got it, I was so excited, like the plastic on the pick guard. You know, and and I, I loved it. And I couldn't wait, and I thought I was oh, I'm gonna, this is gonna be my Stevie Ray number one. I'm gonna wear the paint off of this motherfucker right <laughs> but you don't expect to do it the next day so i get it home i'm so excited i'm going to put strap on for the first time and you know that move you gotta put it over your head and thwack right into the ceiling fan oh, oh. day one thwack <laughs> now luckily fenders unlike the epiphone and uh, the the gibson are built like a fucking sherman tank so it took it but the whole time i had it there's that nick right in the the, the top horn of the oh. thwack uh, and I eventually, you know, tried to relic it. I like, you know, sandpapered it and burn it and tried to do all kinds of stupid shit. And I did switch the pickups out to this and I switched them around. Actually, the one that's in the neck's actually on the bridge. And this, so I was that nut. Right. I got the bright idea. And as a musician, I think you'll understand how stupid this is. Um, I had a, uh, a fret finally wear out on me and I was like, fuck it. I can refret a guitar. <laughs> No, and, you can't. Yeah, I can. Um, not well. Not well. Not very well at all. But I did. I actually refretted it myself. Uh, I got a, a, a pair of roofer's pliers and ground them down to where they were flat because I read about There was no internet, uh, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like I was Googling this. You can do it easy now. Right. But at the time, I, I had to like do research. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made these pliers, and I pulled every fret out, and I put every fret in, and it was a fucking razor blade up and down the neck. I mean, oh. it was just... <laughs> But I eventually got it remotely playable, and I had it till I, you know, again, I sold it, and I absolutely loved it. But it was one of those dumbass things. I was like, I can do that. <laughs> no, I cannot. No, no, I cannot. It was very bad. Um, but uh, what's what's coming up next for you guys? Uh, you said you're doing the, we, you know, talk about where you've been, and you said you're doing the album coming up. What uh, uh, Did you guys cancel the tour? I hate to bring up bad news, but you guys canceled the tour recently? Yeah, we, we had some things come up. We had we had a weekend run in uh, the beginning of May that we were going to do with our friends in Worm. I've uh, heard so, of Worm, yep. yeah. Yeah, band in Chicago. Uh, they were actually supposed to play the Nightmares Before Christmas, but they yeah. they weren't able to make it down, and they ended up doing a show in Chicago, kind of similar to ours, but it was really cool that, you know, there was two similar shows nice. happening on the same night in two different cities. Um, but yeah, they're, they're still going to 
going to be doing the run. Um, so they'll, they'll be in Oak Ridge. We're actually going to go and, and at least check them out. But we're not able at to the Grove. The they play at the Grove, yeah, Grove with uh, Summoner Circle, right? Uh, not with Summoner Circle. I think uh, they're just randomly playing the Grove too recently or have, I think. But, yeah, uh, yeah, the Grove Theater, had, they, or the Summoner Circle played there recently nice. uh, for some like metal. Those guys are fun. Yeah, yeah they're fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, we, we had to back out of that, that weekend run. But we are uh, still planning on doing another run in August. Okay. Um, August 10th is actually the release date for the 10th anniversary of Obsessions. Cool. So I think what we might end up doing is we have a show booked on that day in Chicago. We might just make that a CD release party. Nice. Right that would be great. Have um, physical copies to sell while you're there. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. 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 Yeah. You, you've mentioned a couple times the Nightmares Before Christmas. I definitely mm-hmm. want to talk about those for a minute. And then we'll take a break. I think yep. we're coming up on about that time. Is that right? Oh, we're well over it. We're good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do that. Uh, even after you edit uh, edit out some things. Uh, That's why I didn't give you the sign. Because nice. I was like, he's, he's got it. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I'm getting the hang of it. I'm getting the hang of it. Uh, my light has grown longer and longer with this as we went. But... um. You mentioned the nightmares before Christmas, and that's where again we work together, which yep. I have Sarah blast. You guys put on this um, just kind of a wacky sideshow of a, of a show with uh, comedians, and this year you had burlesque and bands, yeah. And it's uh, sort of a Halloween at Christmas time, yeah. uh, sort of party, and everybody comes in costume. Uh, you guys do your great Ghostbusters cover, uh, uh, which is awesome. I get to be a part of that. Two years, love that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's a blast. Um, Where'd that idea come from? Who's 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 nutball idea was that? Where'd that like? Is that uh, you? Did you guys uh, put that together as a band or with other bands? Well, here's the thing: the the before the first one, it was originally supposed to be uh, a show with us and a band uh, from out west called Element A440. Uh-huh. Uh, they were on tour with uh, Doyle. I don't know if you're familiar with Doyle, uh, he's the Misfits. The, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was he was doing a tour like his okay. own solo thing. Uh, and like they're friends with them and everything. So they were on tour with them, and the plan was that they were going to pass through Knoxville on their way home. Got it. Uh, well, something happened. They ended up having to pull out of the tour early, and so they just went home early. We still had the night available to us. It was like a okay. Tuesday night or something, I think it was. And uh, so between me, Ashley, and Sam, we just kind of brainstormed. We're just like, what can we do for this night? You know, not just have it like a regular rock show. Let's, let's make this an event. Nice. And so just, you know, with our powers combined, we formed Nightmares Before Christmas. I love it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I love I love cheese. You know, like I love B-movies and mm-hmm. bad cheese ball stuff. And so I like a gimmick. I like a shtick. Um, you know, as a pro wrestling fan, that's mm-hmm. one of the things I always look for in a wrestling is I like somebody with a good shtick. Mm-hmm. And I love a band with a shtick. You know, the Kiss, the... Um, Stuff like that, you know, King Diamond. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, the cheese ball side of, of that kind of stuff. And so uh, these were fun because I like doing character stuff in my comedy. And I, I thought it was great. I yeah. had a blast um, the first year. Um, for those of you guys that, that don't know to catch up, again, it was a, a, a different crazy thing. And I was like, all right, cool. They asked me to play Santa because the beard. And I was yep. like, yeah. And I came up with this kind of, uh, this like, so yo, like bad Santa sort of, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> this like bad Jim Florentine impression sort yeah. of with, with a little Andrew Dice. <laughs> clay mixed in yep and uh i i wrote about 15 minutes of jokes that were done in about four minutes and <laughs> bombed really fucking bad and so uh i was like uh and i just started roasting i that i just like you and the band and you know i was yep. like oh what do you look like you've been face fucked by one of them icp dudes <laughs> uh, what do you one of them what do they call them jizzalos and you know and it just it came and i started improving which is not really my thing i don't improv i mean i improv here but yeah uh i talk to myself that's a similar skill uh, but i don't improv on stage i don't do crowd work 
um, typically. And so um, I had a lot of fun. And the next year, when you guys asked me back, I was like, I'm not writing nothing. I'm just going to go. I know what works because yeah. the, the roasting killed. And I just went prepared. I was like, I'm not, I'm not writing nothing. I'm going to do this. And uh, I had a blast. So I love doing it. Um, uh, you asked me if we would be doing it again this year. I'm in 100%. Yeah. I love it. Um, so uh, we just don't have a venue yet, you said. So right, we'll have yeah, announcements still, on that later. Still trying to figure that out. I might. Talk to the people at the Grove Theater. See if we can do it cool, there. Cool, cool. Um, but, you know, uh, nice. Options nice. options are still open right now. I have a couple of people I'm keeping in contact with. That's a the great venue. The Grove is awesome. Terry, have you ever been out there? No, I haven't. It's it's weird. It's like a church, uh, but it's also like a public theater. And they have two um, uh, uh, theaters uh, differing in size. But they both have this great high school auditorium uh, kind of vibe to it so um it's set up for any kind of performance it's it's a broad stage even the little ones a wide stage it's a sloping audience uh uh like a movie theater coliseum seating i guess mm-hmm. they call it and so it's just got this great vibe and it's they're they're a lot of fun so it's intimate but it feels giant mm-hmm. and for a performer that's great mm-hmm. to be on stage and be like I feel comfortable because I'm not like in the Roman Coliseum, but I feel like a rock star because it sort of feels like that. And so it's great. It's great. Yeah, so that'd be a great venue. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I'll definitely keep um, in contact with them about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've done several shows there for um, Danny Whitson, a great comedian here in Knoxville who does uh, uh, magic, and he books a comedy show out there on the regular. Um, when I was trying to raise money to go to the World Beard and Mustache Championship, he was like, we'll, we'll set it up at the Grove. And so we did a comedy promotion, and I sold my merch and stuff like that and mm. uh, helped raise money because we got screwed on our taxes last year, and that was how we were getting to the World Beard and Mustache Championship. So. Mm. Uh, it was great. Um, well, then here's what we're going to do. I think we're going to take a break. Go smoke. Go pee. Um, you know, go uh, check your data on Facebook, whatever you got to do. And yep. then uh, we'll come back and we'll get into uh, a little more uh, lifestyle stuff and leave uh, the work at the door. How's that sound? Fantastic. Awesome. Let's uh, do that, Terry. It's Casey and Rich, and we're the undrafted free agents. That's UDFA if you're looking for us on iTunes, and, well, we're here to talk about the draft. The draft? Is that like uh, drafty rooms or yeah. draft beer? Yeah, or like car drafting and racing where you stay behind. Ooh, wartime drafts. That could be a fun podcast. A whole podcast on wartime drafts. That's good. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's NFL draft. We talk about it year-round, so even during the college season, you know, we follow the players, the guys that are likely going to be that next group of first-round picks. And then after that's over, during the summer, we talk about fantasy football drafts. Yeah. You know, we always seem to kind of shoehorn in some 90s pop culture. In every episode, we do it. Like yeah. Wayne's World. Wayne's World quotes in every episode, it seems. Saved by the Bell. We have a surprising number of Home Alone quotes. I've noticed that, too. There's a lot in Doug. A lot of <laughs> That's Doug. just a good show. It's just a good show. Yeah. So, uh, hey, if you love football, check us out. Again, we're on iTunes. Search for UDFA Podcast. 
words to live by. This is my uh, my life's motto right here. Big bottom. I'm, a, I'm an old bass player. I appreciate such things. I, I love Christopher Guest mockumentaries. I'm a big fan. And we are back here on Deadbeat Radio, joined by the lovely Danny Rindo of DeCombrio here on uh, the Great Stage Diver Network, where uh, Mr. Terry Snow pulls tons of weight, and uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely um, get to some of the wonderful things. Danny, have you uh, enjoyed your time here so far? Yeah. Good, yeah. good, good. We love having you. Um, I, I give a lot of shout-outs to Stage Diver the Hole. It's a great atmosphere. They've done great. Um, in tons of shows. I mean, Terry works on, I think, everything. Uh <laughs> Close. <laughs> I think he sleeps here. But again, um, you know, Jay uh, has uh, JMB's DLC for video gamers, which is amazing. Um, and they record before we do and come out every week when we do. Um, and then you've got, you know, People in My Neighborhood, which was um, where I kind of started with the uh, the network. Great. Just a great concept. Again, we talked about, you know, that you got to have those three things. Great idea, great talent, great production. Um, and, and that's a great example of all three. Mitch has a great talent for what he does. He has a great idea. Hey, let's all talk about our jobs and what we like and what we don't like. And we'll just, again, kind of find where we meet in the middle. Yep. And then has, you know, great production uh, as all the, the stage diver stuff does. Um, mm-hmm. Has some cool stuff coming up. Uh, we've got a uh, show this week. Yes. So if you are tuning in, uh, the date will be April 20th. Mm-hmm. So if you are tuning in anywhere within an hour of Knoxville, worth driving, <laughs> I promise you. Um, there's a ton of great um, shows going on, but this is the one you want to see. Let me see if I get it right. I fuck it up every time. Funny <laughs> as fuck Lander. There you go. Aha! <laughs> At the Central Collective. Central Collective. Four twenty. Uh, Four twenty. And what time is that kicking off? Eight p.m. Eight p.m. So no, don't up. do that. What time does it really kick off? He does this every time. <laughs> what time will we be seeing the movie that okay. you made? Inside Out premieres at seven thirty. See, see, he does this every time. He goes the shows at eight, but if you get there early, no motherfucker, you set the time for your movie, and that's the time the show starts. If you get there early, you know what you get to wait for Inside Out premiering <laughs> that night. That's what you get if you get there early. See, what you need to do actually is. Since the movie's going to be starting at 7.30, you tell everybody that the show starts at 6. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's true. As somebody who's perpetually late for everything, all my friends and family have learned to do this. They all lie to me and tell me what time to be. It, it's just, and it works, and I buy it, and I'm, I'm good with it. So, yes, that's correct. But um, that'll be a great show. Uh, I'm going to be there. Um, several of the cast of several, um, High as Fuck Lander, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, hence the name. You know, get Chase going to be there. Uh, Sam's going to be there. I think Sam's doing something with his band. So, yeah. I mean, there's going to be great stuff. Um, and then um, for sports fans, we have a couple different things, too. We've got uh, Balls on Base. Yes. Corey, you know Corey Borger? Yes. Yeah, so his podcast, uh, fan, uh, Balls on Base, and then he's got fan- Phantasm, which he's done Phantasm for a while, mm-hmm. has been picked up by the network. So awesome. this is the new home for Phantasm, which has a great following, um, and hopefully um, will let us mooch some fans. Uh, that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping just some drunk stumbles will accidentally click Deadbeat Radio and be like, well, this ain't horror-based, but that guy's got a potty mouth. I kind of like him. And so that's what we're hoping for. We've definitely seen an uptake. Thanks to them. It was, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about yeah. it. And you can find all the shows at stagedivernetwork.com uh, or anywhere podcasts are found. I know I do it on uh, Google Music, through, uh, which was already installed on my phone. Google Play. Um, and as a techno-tard, um, I, I can't. So luckily it was easy for me. Look, at <laughs> I can do it. Anybody can find it. Yes. Um, iTunes, um, all that great stuff. Everywhere so. podcasts are found. Yeah. And if you just want something simple, go to stagediverradio.com. we got a player. You just click. Yep. 
It's pick great. your show, pick your episode, hit play. And so um, we've got uh, the the show net this week coming up and CreepyCon in yes. August. CreepyCon uh, in August. Doing anything with CreepyCon? Do you guys no. done anything with cons? Is that uh, something you've ever no, done? No, we've 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 uh, applied to play at different conventions, but we nice. haven't gotten anything. Um, I, I don't know what to expect. Actually, no, I'm lying. We we did play. Um, what was it? Uh, Fanboy Expo. A couple okay. Years back. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. They they did a special thing with their the Halloween. Like the October yeah. uh, Fanboy Expo, like I think it was the first year they did it. They had bands performing there. Cool. We played there. Cool. Uh, Summoner Circle played the night after us. Oh, they're perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to meet a bunch of awesome people there. We met um, Jordy White, uh, Twiggy Ramirez from Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we met. I'm uh, a, now, I have to say, again, I told you, not a Manson fan, mm-hmm. huge John Five fan. I fucking love John. We actually Fife. opened up for him. Oh, I nice. hate you. Get out. We're done. <laughs> Terry. Uh, anyway, we're gonna finish this episode just you and me. Uh, All right. Well, I'll see you guys our, later. Uh, our guest had to leave unexpectedly when the bouncer's doing it. Damn it! I love John Five. He is amazing. Did you get to meet him? Yeah. No, actually, no. I'm sorry. No, I didn't. No, I didn't get to meet him. Sorry, I lied. He's amazing. <laughs> People that only know him through Manson. We, um, we met his band though because he played with Rob Zombie for a while. Yeah, he played with Rob Zombie. And oh, okay. I know you're talking. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you ready for this? Played uh, country for a long time. He used yep. to play with Katie Lang. Oh, wow. That's what he did before Rob Zombie. He <laughs> yep. played with Katie Lang. Uh, or before Maryland. He played with Katie Lang. And he is an amazing country, like, chicken picker. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, He is, like, you can hand him a Telecaster, and he's... And he loves that shit. And it is amazing. So yeah. he is fantastic. His solo stuff is yeah. phenomenal. Uh, I saw got, him with Rob Zombie, and they were yeah. great. The, the night that we opened up for him, that was the first night I actually ever seen him live. And he is just phenomenal. He's got, like, 6,000 guitars. Yeah. Uh, all different types he's even got this one that just lights up it's just like what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah and so he he yeah, i'm a huge fan of his um yeah. but uh yeah i don't know what to expect with a creepy con this is my first con i've never been to one mm-hmm. i mean i do large events i do you know beard competitions and stuff and right. so I've, I've i'm used to a large capacity crowd but i don't know what to, to like do at a con when, well, last year was their first year, and uh, this year they're expecting a thousand people. Nice. Yeah. So. Uh, I know that I'm going to have to dress up. Apparently, Bingy from uh, High's Fucklander and the B and J and B's DLC <laughs> is uh, apparently going as Sherry Moon Zombie, and so <laughs> yeah, I, I will be uh, reviving my Rob Zombie Halloween costume. Nice. Um, so, which was great. I won a lot of liquor that night uh, in every Halloween costume I went to. So nice. Um, that'll be fun. Um, we uh we got a lot coming up. Anything else on Missing Terry? Like uh, on the your show, my show. Well, I mean, yeah. Oh, that's D- duh. <laughs> I okay. mean, it's called Deadbeat Radio. You, you, yeah, come yeah. on, so come on, Lance. Uh, as a member of the uh, uh, prestigious Deadbeats of Comedy, I'm happy to announce that we are having a Deadbeat show here in July, uh, the 21st. Is that right? Uh, and um, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> well, I'm reading it the 21st. Yeah. I do that so far in advance. Like I just know what happens. I haven't even put on the schedule off from work. I, right. That's not how I work. Right. But uh, on the 21st at uh, Sugar Mamas, um, and we're gonna have um, the uh, the OGs. We're gonna have uh, Bubs Harris, uh, J.C. Ratliff, Patrick Cunningham, and myself. And I believe Kurt Keller will be uh, trying to come up as well. And I have to. I want to take a moment. I have to give a big shout out to Kurt Keller. Kurt is uh, uh, my bearded brethren in the uh, the deadbeats of uh, comedy out of uh, Montgomery, Alabama. Great guy. I've got to work with him a few times. He's the one I've met the, well, I guess, no. But anyway, um, wonderful person and messaged me this week and was like, hey, when do you guys record the podcast? 
and I was like every other Saturday and he was like oh man dude I'm loving it I've been listening he was like every episode I just love it more he was like we're so much alike he was like I'm just finding you know our opinions similar he was like I'm loving it he's like I want to come do it I know I'm going to try and be there because we're going to get all the deadbeats to do the show uh, uh, which is going to be awesome Uh, we'll have to plan around everybody's schedule and he said he might come in for that but he wants his own solo episode he was like I haven't been thinking about my five to drive I can't wait so I have to give a big (laughs) shout out he may be the only person listening at the moment but a big shout out to Kirk Keller for giving me a lot of hope and I told him I was like thanks bro I mean that really is what I do it you know fan reaction is huge when you know people come up to you after the show and tell you they love it and in this it's not so instant with live music people come up to you and are like dude that was great love it love it and that rock star moment is awesome Um, after a great comedy set you know it's the same but with this I have no idea. You know, we don't until we get the feedback through the website, which you can go to Stage Diver Network and give feedback. Um, you can even call. Again, I promised if anybody ever called, this excites me so much. There's a landline, and if anybody ever, ever calls, I will address it on air. I promise I will send out cookies to your home, whatever. Um, I'll save you one of these Twinkies we've been munching on. And that's 865 888 zero damn it i can't read that far give me the number zero one zero nine zero one zero nine eight six five eight 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 zero one zero nine call say what you got to say we'll we'll play your call on the air we will assuming it's not ridiculously stupid um <laughs> and we reserve the right for judgment for that but um kurt really gave me a big shout out and i was i really feel my heart i was happy i was like dude that is everything I want to do it for somebody to listen and somebody to, and that's what you want in a music I think yeah, isn't it definitely you want somebody to listen and go Dang, that speaks to me I, I find entertainment in that mm-hmm. um let's uh let's take it to um a little personal place I know we talked about your wife you guys also have kids right yep and uh working musician with uh, family how um how hard is that you I, you guys even had kids at your show I remember the first nightmare show yep. um you're I got there and I, I'm playing this filthy mouth Santa and there are kids <laughs> in the front row and I was like uh Danny dude and those were our kids yeah that's what he said I was like <laughs> I, I pulled him aside and I was like hey man Danny I don't I, I don't know about this dude I've I got kids and, and I can't imagine saying the shit I'm about to say in front of these kids and he was like oh dude don't worry those are my kids and I was like <laughs> All right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. All right. And uh, that's the first time I, I guess I knew that we shared, you know, so much in common in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, working musician, parent, how, how hard do you do? You, how, how hard do you deal with the struggle? Because I know I do. It's uh, I, I can only imagine the struggle being more difficult uh, outside of the situation that we have because we are a polyamorous yeah, household. Yeah, I want to talk um, about that. Um, yeah. We'll get to that in a second. But um, um, with uh, just the basic parental uh, uh, constructs and, and touring musician, how uh, how do you fight it? How do you deal with it? Well, you know, again, it's, it's one of those instances where, um, you know, they're basically my stepkids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, you know, the real dad is actually living in the house with us. So, cool. he, you know, he gets to handle a lot of the, you know, the, actual parental things uh actually does as well like we all kind of share parental duties nice uh we all have different parenting styles i guess uh i'm obviously more of like the laid back cool stepdad whatever um but you know obviously have no problem of of stepping in and being like you know hardcore like don't do this or you're gonna you know get in trouble kind of dad um but it's it's pretty much um you know it's it's pretty easy in my situation like i said but home studio help i guess as well home you can do studio a lot definitely of work there. helps out you know i don't have to be too far from home uh the, the job that i work uh i actually work with um 
Aaron, who is uh, the the other, the, you know, the actual dad in the household. Got it. Um, he's basically my boss. But oh. you know, we, the the situation that we have with our job is we could work from home if we needed to. We've done it before, so you know, we're never too far from. Nice. So you, you know, can make that decision on the fly. Hey, I everybody's sick. I have to be here today. I exactly. Can't work. Nice. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. I obviously don't have that option. So yeah. let's let's talk about polyamory because I think there's a lot of misconceptions to that. Um, I I don't understand it a lot myself and not in a, a you know a weird like i don't get it you weirdos but like i don't understand <laughs> most of it but i think most people get it mixed up with swinging and polygamy and and so many other so right. for a basic definition what is polyamory well i mean just if you break the word down to the root of what it is it's just many mul- loves many loves okay. yeah so it, it's just basically you know you're not secluding yourself to loving one person at a time okay. essentially um you know it's you take it back to like the the, the basic animal instinct, uh, you know, you know, you a prod. See, yeah, you, you get you know pl- plenty of different types of animals will have multiple partners. They'll have you know multiple you know females in in the pack or or whatever. You know, it's essentially you know we're not restricting ourselves, you know, to being with one person. And in a lot of instances, you know, there there are some types where with polyamory, you you tend to feel like when you're with somebody, they're you know they're fulfilling you ninety percent of what you're expecting of a partner and you know you you want to have that 100 percent, and that usually is what leads to people cheating on their their spouses or whatever the case is um you know or you, you tend to find somebody who kind of fulfills that extra 10 percent. but it, it's it. not i don't want it to uh, you know it's not really the idea of like you know you're just finding somebody just to kind of fill that gap you know you you meet people that that's you, how it starts i guess that's what that's what you first see in that people, other person yeah some people can can start like that but essentially the way it works you know from from my personal understanding of how this works is that you you meet people that you just you connect with on a on a romantic level you know regardless of the fact that you're with somebody else similar and, to the way you make friends even though you already have friends exactly okay. yeah you, know, you you make friends you know you you meet people that you can see as a partner essentially so let's start with some of the misconceptions let's start with i think the the hardest one to separate cuz i even struggle what's the difference in polyamory and polygamy well polygamy is you're you're married to multiple people so legal it's a it's a piece of paper is well, the well that's difference. the thing even a lot of uh quote unquote legal uh polygamy it's not legal marriage right. to multiple partners like you, you just tend to have uh, one legal partner who's your primary right. and then you are unofficially married to other Got partners it. so again what's the real difference in those two so if, if the, the legal aspect is, is realistically horseshit because that's not real right. then what is the separation what's the difference well I mean uh polyamory can lead to polygamy okay. essentially okay. Um, it's you, like polygamy the way I see it is you know you are you, you fall in love with these people and you have to get married to them because it's part of some kind of religion or Typically, belief or right. whatever. Like, you know, you can't be with this person unless you're married to them. Got it. With polyamory, you don't have to marry those people. You can just be romantically involved with other people. I think I think a big difference, too, and again, I could be way off on this, and I'm sure you've had to research this so you can combat these stupid questions more often than <laughs> I have. Um, I think the big difference, too, is with polyamory, the number of specific genders in the relationships are unlimited you can have lots of men lots of women with polygamy it tends to be one dude lots of girls is that i mean like but there there are actually there's two forms of polygamy okay Uh, there's polyandry and polygyny and each one of those is it's one woman with multiple husbands or one man with multiple wives uh, polygamy is just a blanket term for both of those. It's essentially one person with multiple spouses that they're married to. I just had a thought. 
are there gay polygamists with like nine dudes all in a house? I've never considered the fact that there could be homosexual polygamists, or would you call them? Pol- pol- uh, anyway, so is there like nine lesbians living in a house, all like sister, sister wives, wives? Like I don't, I don't want to be rude. I just, I've never occurred to me is this an option? I'm sure you can find some. It's, I mean, I'm sure it's a wow. possibility. Yeah, I've yeah. never considered that. Okay, yeah. so, but still with polygamy, it tends to be one uh, center of the universe and then the planets around, yep. where polyamory is not. It's, right. a, it's a, a mixed marble bag of right. people in general. So, like, for example, the, the situation with our household is that uh, Ashley is actually legally, still legally married to Aaron, who is the her husband, legally. The baby daddy. Right. Uh, he, or she is... Uh, unofficially married to me got it got he, it okay aaron is actually engaged to the other woman who lives in the house with us got it um and he you know of course uh three of the children that are in the house were between aaron and ashley and mm-hmm. two or one of them was from aaron's fiance's past marriage and mm-hmm. then the fifth one who's the, the littlest one is actually aaron and his fiance's child she got like a little mormon brady bunch going on is that <laughs> that's what i'm seeing here sure we why not <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't go so far as the normal thing, but that, that's an example of you know there, there's not there's not one person married to multiple people in the house. There there's it's a, it's a mixture. Basically. Got it. Got it. And um, and I, I don't understand that firsthand, but you know what? If it works, it works. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, you know, and again, being a a, a religious uh, or a Christian and a right wing guy, I don't I don't I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like your life. Does it work? Are you hurting anybody? Fuck it, go yeah. for it. And that's I think what people are missing. People are like, oh, that's weird. So I I don't want it. Well, you know what? I may not want it. And to be honest, I've been married 15 years. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that the, the there's a part of me that doesn't go, oh, something new? That sounds great. But I, I just don't get it, and I couldn't do it. In the same way you have fantasies about stupid shit, like you play a Grand Theft Auto and you go, I would love to skydive out of a plane and pull a guy's head off right before it hit the ground. <laughs> like you, but you can't do it. So again, I think about it would be great. Just to know, I don't even know. I don't, I'm so old and out of touch. <laughs> like it would be amazing. I don't even think I know what to do. I'd be like, do you do you, do you know do you know how long it's been since I've been on a, a date with I don't. My <laughs> wife and I were separated for about a year, and I tried, I tried, mm-hmm. and like she got closer than I did. She dated and got you know at least to go on a couple dates, and I asked a few girls out and didn't work. But I even thought then I was like, I don't I don't know how to do this. <laughs> at that point, I've been married about eleven years, and I was like, I. I I wasn't good at it when I was the best I was at it. Yeah. So it's like, I can't, it's like a shitty band coming back for a reunion tour. It's like, ah, I wasn't good then. I sure can't, you know, fake it now. I'm not yeah. fitting into those leather pants. That's not going to work. But to be fair though, I, I wouldn't let age be a hindrance in that because for example, my mom, when I first told her about all of it, she was kind of against it, but it was mostly just a, I don't understand it kind of it's thing. It's a coming out just the right. same. Yeah. After my parents got divorced, my mom started to be all like, you know what? I think he had the right idea. And she's been kind of like <laughs> nice. exploring nice. the idea herself. Nice. nice. And I, I do get it. Like, I do love my wife, and I don't think I could live that lifestyle just because I don't. Yeah. Um, it's, I not, honestly, it's not for everybody. I'm not going to sit I, here and be like, you should totally try. No, it's so no, awesome. I don't feel that yeah. way. And that's how I am with, again with the religion. It's like, it works for me. And yeah. if you are interested in it, we'll talk, but I'm not shoving it down your throat um and i think if it works for you and you can do it that's great i see the advantages to it because i do see there are things even though i love my wife um i do see things that you know we don't connect on 100 percent. and it would be like oh it would be great 
you know, like you yeah. just find somebody who is into that. So I do get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I don't think I would be smart enough. I'm cool enough. I don't know. I just don't, uh, it's the Seinfeld thing. It's like the, I couldn't be an orgy guy. I'd have to get new clothes <laughs> and like, you know, start buying lotions. I, I just, that's how I feel. I'm kind of like, I couldn't do it. But so let's do a few other stereotypes and myths that are wrong. Mm-hmm. So um, polyamory versus swinging. What's the real difference there? Well, the the big one is that polyamory is not based on sex. Got it. It's based on just a, a, a connection. You know, it could be just emotional. It can be mental, you know, spiritual, whatever it is. You know, you just, you feel a connection with a person and you want to, you know, be in a relationship with them. You know, you can, you can be in a polyamorous situation and only have sex with one partner in the entire spectrum. As long as you're open about that up front. That's yeah, the big and thing. That's, that's the, the that's thing. the big important thing with polyamory with or any kind of, yeah, it's, it's always communication. And that's you know. just a branch of every normal relationship. You know, I mean, every relationship you have, relationship you have whether it's work, um, you know, some are obviously more complicated. Um, loves, wives, kids. Um, Terry and I here in a business relationship. Every relationship has that. And, and openness. It's more than that, Lance. Um, I know that. I'm just saying it's one of those. But um, the openness and communication means everything. That's mm-hmm. how you have to work together with anybody you work with. Yeah. And the people that you work with are important shit. Like, I don't know, keeping little people alive. Not midgets. <laughs> I mean, just like kids in general. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm all for keeping midgets alive too but that's oh, me not too. what I mean uh, I just mean kids in general when it comes to keeping people alive and f- sustaining your happiness on a daily basis with the people you love the most communication is paramount oh, yeah and um, it's not just with relationships either I mean obviously you know speaking from somebody in a band it's like you need to be able oh, to communicate with your band members yes I've, I've had plenty of instances where band members have harbored you know bad you know or just negative issues with band members and it's just like unless you communicate with them or at least communicate with somebody it's not going to get resolved and everything's just going to fall apart so I mean, people are not I'm, good also, at it. I'm also bad at it myself and i'm still yeah. trying to you know get better at actually communicating with the band and be like hey listen you know this this is great but we we kind of need to do better at this this and this kind of thing yeah i'm an over communicator yeah. i i give too much i i over communicate uh, hence the uh, here give you two hours to talk to people um, <laughs> but I, I over communicate and my wife under communicates so we struggle and we make it do but it's hard so I can't imagine again making it work with multiple people um, I, I did a podcast with a friend of mine a while back and we were talking about um, quote unquote alternative lifestyles and polyamory was brought up and I said I think from an outsider's point of view to me there are three real uh, polygamy being aside I guess polygamy we'll call an off shoot of polyamory in this mm-hmm. case because I think it is I think it's really a subsect you know of polyamory you have to yeah. be um, this before you can be this you know right. you have to choose this class in D&D before you can subclass in this basically um, yeah. yeah and so I think the three big things and the differences were polyamory swingers and open relationship mm-hmm. and polyamory is to me uh, multiple couples and I guess you don't have to be couples but you know multiple couples of people mm-hmm. in a relationship in a large way uh, to me swinging is pure sexual mm-hmm. Um, to me, swinging is you and your wife come to my house, and you fuck my wife, I fuck your wife. We may fuck a little in the middle, but that's swinging, and you guys go home together. You come together, we all come together, and then you leave together. <laughs> Pretty much, and, yeah. and th- that's swinging. And then open relationship is a hall pass. Go do your thing. Just come home. Uh, you know, like, go do whatever you want to do. I don't want to be involved in that. I may go do my own, but you go do yours, and just, like, come home at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that's a, a fair, generic, quick rundown of the three and the differences and what people yeah. don't realize. Is I that correct? So. Yeah, I would say that. That's pretty accurate. 
So, yeah, I remember thinking then, I was like, yeah, I think that's what people miss, is it's like one is more relationship, one is more sex, and one is more freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, 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 the key to the, the differences. I just, I, like I said, I, I, I think it's a fun fantasy for me, but I don't hate it for you. I think it's neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it. There are times, again, like you say, we have a huge support system with our kids, with my parents living in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, so I can imagine, again, what a blessing it would be to be like have another set of parents who could be like, I got that. Now I get this. We'll mm-hmm. do that. So I, I think it's great. I think I, I think it's a wonderful thing that um, isn't for me, but it works. And I think people really misjudge it. And I think that sucks. Yeah. It's like even with homosexuality, it's like, hey man, I know you're trying to be a dick, but like, dude, he's actually cool enough to love another dude beyond like stigmas and what you think. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool, man. When you're willing to love whoever through whatever other people think, yeah. and it's true love. Go for it. I mean, what the fuck, you know? Oh, I don't think that guy and girl should be together. Well, fuck you. That's up to them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that guy and guy should be together. Fuck you. That's up to them. Yeah. I don't think that guy and that girl and that guy and that girl and that guy and that girl and those kids and that horse and that hippopotamus in the back. I don't think they should be together. <laughs> well, maybe we need to talk about the horse and hippopotamus. But past that, <laughs> I, I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. do your thing. And I, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, so and It's always funny, like, whenever, you know... We we talk publicly or just even like in private with with people. Yeah, because you've never been ashamed. I knew yeah. publicly. It's yeah, something we're, that we're, you've we're, always. Yeah, we're pretty open about it. You know, to obviously to an extent. You know, obviously we, no different than yeah. me talking about my wife. You right. talk about exactly. your family. You exactly. Know? Yeah, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. And there's certain people that that'll you know talk down about our lifestyle and everything. And you know, it's like, oh, you, you know, you got like six couples and, and all this and blah blah blah. You're you're living in sin. It's like, oh, how many uh, failed marriages have you been through so far? And you're Bingo. criticizing us for our lifestyle. So at the weird question then, how did it start for you? Like when did you have that coming out moment internally? When did you go, yeah, they're cool. We should just hook up with them. Like how does that come about? Cause well, I, okay, so so Ashley's been doing his been polyamorous for a lot longer than I have. Um, it's typically something introduced to people, right? right. I mean, and, that's fair. And that's pretty much what it was for me. It was introduced to me by Ashley. Like I was living in California at the time that I met Ashley, um, and she, you know, when we we met on. Like, so where just, are you from? No, I'm actually from Florida. I think I knew um, that. I think yeah. I knew that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was living in California, and uh, she was on a website where it, it was essentially guys <laughs> could go online and pay money to play games with girls. Webcams. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, and Again, I, fuck it. Yeah. If you were willing to do show your stuff and somebody's willing to pay for it, fuck it. Go for it. Exactly. That's why I'm with like prostitution. Um, it's like, come on, dude. Yeah. Really? Here's the deal. She's willing to fuck me. I'm willing to pay her to let fuck me. <laughs> what are you doing in the way? Exactly. And that's, you know, people always think, oh, you're, you're right wing, you're Republican. No, no, I'm a conservative. <laughs> and a true conservative says that don't involve me. I got nothing to say about it. Right. And, and my thought has always been, and it's not a political show, but this is just my general philosophy is uh, the government builds my roads, defends my borders, and that's it. You stay the fuck out of my bedroom. You mm-hmm. stay the fuck out of my kitchen. You stay the fuck out of my pipe. You don't tell me what to do. You stay out of my body, right? You get the fuck out of everything. You build a road. You fucking paint that road. And you fucking <laughs> you pay somebody to paint the road. I get it. I know how it works. Mm-hmm. And you fucking defend the border, right? You keep me and my kids safe from Red Dawn the movie because none of us will be Patrick Swayze. I've seen us in an emergency. We are terrible. Yeah. We're like going down hour one. So it's not good. So you defend me from that. And that's it. You don't tell me what to eat, how much to eat, when to eat. If you want to be there to make sure that my food is quality and not like tainted, I'm cool with that, right? Mm-hmm. There's a middle ground. Yeah. Like I get it. You want to check my beef to make sure it's fair. Be- go for it, right? 
but don't tell me who to fuck, how to fuck, where to fuck, when to fuck. I mean, like, there are a few, again, common sense. Uh, don't fuck little kids. Fair. All right, that oh, checks yeah. out. Uh, try not to fuck your cousin. Okay, got it. All right. So, uh, <laughs> I like had to preface that try not to. You know, because, again, it's it's like, sort of, is your cousin 18? All right, try not to. And, you know, like, don't fuck anybody who doesn't want to be fucked. Though I get past that go for it right yeah. and i think those are the three we all everybody agrees on except for the most minority nambla fringe and we can all rise together and beat those guys <laughs> so like right and left we can get together and go yo That's we don't up. <laughs> we don't agree it's it's the kyle canane bit about like um how the Westboro Baptist uh, dude, uh, Roper, died, and he was a, such a great villain. He brought people together, and he was like, you know, you would have the, the gays there, you know, protesting him, and the Hell's Angels were there, and, and he has this whole great bit about, like, oh yeah, no, uh, yeah, nice vest, no, you too, I like that. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have put all the fringe on it, but I, I like what you're doing there. Yeah, uh, it's good, it's good. Uh, you know what? We're going all out for beers after this. You guys want to go? And it has this whole thing about how you brought like the gays and Hell's Angels together. Yeah. And so I think we could rise up together to beat the Nambla guys. Mm-hmm. But in general, again, don't fuck little kids. Try not to fuck your cousin. Don't fuck anybody you don't want to be fucked. And then past that, the government gets the hell out of my bedroom. You know? And <laughs> yeah. that's... Um, so I, I don't see there anything wrong with it. And I think it's, uh, again, one of those things. You shouldn't be ashamed. You yeah. know? Like, you should be prepared I think even gay couples should be prepared for people yeah. to be not and, and not to be a dick, but people like I don't get it. I you know what I know you don't get it. I don't have to explain it to you. I don't owe you anything. Yeah. But I at least don't need to be a dick to you because you don't understand it. I do, you- I do feel like you know, just over in the last uh, seven years that I, I've been you know in Tennessee involved in a polyamorous relationship, mm-hmm. I've I've seen a growth of people being more uh, open and understanding about the whole poly and actually more curious about it than like you know shunning of it. Which is, you know, it's it's refreshing. It's, I think people are jealous on a lot of levels. I'm sure there are, but you know, it, it just really comes down to, you know, for a long time, people are just like, oh, this is this is different, so this is wrong. Yeah. But now it's like, well, it, this is kind of a big deal, and it's it's an interesting deal. They're not hurting anybody, you know. So no, and that's the key. You're yeah. Not. Um, you think shows like Sister Wives and shit like that have brought it to a uh, a little more public? Even though, again, that's kind of an offshoot. Yeah. It's, people see that, and in the same way, they automatically think because you're polyamorous, you're polygamist. They instantly go, "Well, I get that on TV, so now I get you." There has to be some good blowback as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially kind of like how you know, take it from a musical perspective. You know, Nine Inch Nails. A lot of hardcore industrial fans don't consider Nine Inch Nails industrial sellouts. Yeah, but yeah. if it wasn't for Nine Inch Nails, industrial music wouldn't have been as popular, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, sure, uh, p- people might you know say differently, but Nine Inch Nails was the band that brought industrial to the mainstream. Every and, genre does it. Heavy metal did it to Metallica. Yeah, you know they did the same thing. They rose to the top, put metal in the, in a public, and then they went, "You guys are sellouts." And yeah, yeah you're where you are because of us. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you, you have shows like Sister Wives. I mean, while my mom while it loves isn't, that show, my mom watches yeah. that shit religiously. <laughs> it, small pun intended. It's uh, it's not I mean, you know you had uh, sister wives and then there was that show on HBO called Big Love right. with Bill Paxton yeah I never watched it but I remember yeah. talking about um, that was you know that's another instance of you know yeah, it, it was, yeah I mean it's more obviously you know dramatized or whatever but it it kind of gave 
a, a little bit of, a, of an idea of what. Because now is okay. So was Big Love technically polygamy or was that polyamory? That was po- that was polygamy. Okay, so it was the sister yeah. wife situation. He was the only dude with the chicks. Right. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. I never watched it, but I remember coming on and thinking, "Cool." Um, I think you know. I think there was even an instance <coughs> on both Big Love and Sister Wives where one of the wives had considered the idea of, "Well, what if I was interested in another person to be another right. husband?" And like the husband was like, "No, you're See, not." That's doing that. weird it to down. me. Like, okay, so again, that's so weird to me. It's like if your wife lets you go be with this other woman and is cool with it dude she gets to go be with the other dude that's just like like i don't want my wife to be with another dude i mean like i I, you may fantasize about it you watch like you know odd porns and you're like oh get lost on a page that's uh, (laughs) that's interesting but you know again i'm just a guy too chicken shit to pull the trigger but it's like if you pull that trigger Oh, dude, she gets to pull the trigger too. Oh, yeah. I, so I, I just don't get that. I and so like you, you obviously have accepted that, and mm-hmm. I think that takes strong emotion. Yeah, that takes. I um, mean, you know, that's a when people again may look down on you for it. What they're not seeing is it's like, do you realize? You know, all the jealousy issues you have to deal with. I know it happens around me. I see it. It's in my face because mm-hmm. I've seen you out with other couples. I've seen you and another couple together. Uh, mix matched, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the salt with the pepper and the pepper with the salt and out together, all four together. And right. it's like, that's got to be something you have to learn to deal with. Yeah. And it is something that I don't think I'm strong enough to deal with. And I look at it as strength. That's mm-hmm. emotional strength. You have to be tough. And I think that's um, a hats off to you for, for being honest mm-hmm. and being um, in touch enough to be like, yeah, but I, you know, I get the good too. So I get advantages. So we, we share that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great, you know, so I, uh, dude, I've really enjoyed this. This has been a great episode. I can't tell you how much it's been fun to have a, a non-comic, and you and I haven't got a chance to really do this. No. Um, the comics I've had have been people that I felt comfortable talking with and have known because we, we bullshit all the time. This was my first time to sit down with somebody that I really wanted to get to know because I didn't know the things. I was kind of uh, 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 baiting the, the story last time where I was like, I, I kind of know what to ask these people because I some know. But you are really interesting to me, and I think that's what I wanted for uh, the show was, again, for people to be interested in things and I think for this time I was really interested I wanted to know stories about things so dude thanks man it's been a blast having you I mm-hmm. hope you had fun I had a blast um, we're gonna do uh, in a moment our five to drive five questions I ask every guest to drive this episode home um, and uh, I like that again I always describe it as my James Lipton uh, uh, inside the actor studio moment because he's the shit and, um, but I'll give you a second so so let's let's know what you got coming up plug us plug away this is your moment plug uh, anything you want well uh, you know like I said before I have the the 10th anniversary edition of our first album Obsessions of a False Idol and uh, when is that again it's going to be coming out August 10th okay. uh, we have a the pre-orders going on right now through Pledge Music okay. uh, you can just search Decombria on Pledge Music or hit up you know any of our social media okay. and there's let's, links to it directly let's there. make sure to spell it D con Brio. Yes. Deacon. Not come. De- I got corrected. It's not Deacon Brio. It is. Uh, how many other mispronunciations am I missing? What, uh, okay, so, what's the worst you ever got? Well, there there have been two big ones for a long time. There was Deacon Brio. The and, M is easy. That and, you got to expect that and, one. And Deacon Brio with an M where it's spelt out yeah. wrong. The, the worst one I heard was when we played the Fanboy Expo. Mm-hmm. There was a guy making announcements over the, the loudspeaker. And he made an announcement about our performance coming up, and he pronounced our name as Decembrio. I can see that. No, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I, I see that. I can see that. But what that. was funny is uh, we were we were all out in like because we had like a table out like in the main floor area to sell mm-hmm. our merch and stuff, and we overheard that. And the guy was like, "Yeah, coming up later on tonight is Decembrio." And he like went on to say, "Oh, hold on, 
I'm sorry, it's pronounced DeConbrio. I had six people come up and correct me. <laughs> hey, that's good. You got a fan base out there. Yeah. Uh, and you guys do have a good fan base. Your shows are always packed. Uh, every time I've ever seen you guys, it's it's never been a, an empty house. So um, that is that's great. And again, it, there is a website, DeConbrio website. Yeah, I know Decon- you guys are on Facebook. DeConbrio.com. Okay. Or, and yeah. you can get you can get merch and uh, uh, CDs, physical CDs of some of the other releases there. You yeah, guys you, sell vinyl, right? No, not yet. No? I, no. I, awesome. We, I we've considered it, but uh, the... The number of people that want it versus the cost to manufacture right. is just way right. off. So it's it's not anything we're looking into right now, but maybe in the future. I'm going to assume that means I could not get a Voyeur 8-track. That is not. <laughs> no, okay. no. But I am looking at getting cassettes made. Cassettes would be awesome. Nice. Yeah, cassettes would be awesome, dude. That would be great. The '90s are coming back. They yeah, are. Man. Yes, yeah. they are. Um, I'm, I'm still hoping for an eight-track revival, but I'm not seeing a lot of it. Um, uh, there was a, uh, a false ad going around two years ago that uh, Deadpool is going to be available on Laserdisc, and I got really excited because oh. I uh, I don't I don't get to bust out the Laserdisc ops often for new releases. Uh, so I was real, and I thought for real, I was like, this this could be it. He would be the motherfucker. Oh yeah, to, to just make a limited run, yeah. and I. I have a Laserdisc player and uh, and an 8-track player. I, ha- I own both. And I was super excited to get Deadpool on Laserdisc, but <laughs> it did not work. I was very disappointed. So, um, yeah, but head over there. Again, I, I tell you honestly, and I, I don't kiss ass. As you can say, if I don't like something, I'll, I'll tell you I don't like it. I'm too old to, to, to give a shit at this point. But um, I, I like the music, and, and I don't like the genre. So I encourage anybody who likes, you know, a, a heavier sound but with uh, a melodic uh, touch to it. It's not the screamy stuff, but it is an industrial-style metal in the vein of, again, Rob Zombie's, Marilyn Manson's, uh, Alice in Chains, not Alice in Chains, but uh, Nice uh, Nails. Nails. Um, and so I, I, I recommend anybody to take a look. You know, videos are great, production is great, and again, you do all that. So, mm-hmm. hats off to you. That is okay. that is absolutely amazing. Um, but uh, let's do this. So, again, I do this uh, five to drive the five questions to drive this interview home, and I start with a top five for everybody. And uh, I'm gonna let you know I, right now, I'm really nervous. Yeah, don't be, don't be, don't be. Uh, again, Up until now, I've been uh, like, yeah, this is really cool. Like, all right, now I'm gonna put you on the spot. Shit. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're gonna put you on the spot, but uh, this is a good one. I uh, and actually, uh, I, I, this is the one where I always do give my own answer because I gave mine in the first episode. But this is the one that I have to answer myself every week to go. Is this a dumb question? Is it okay? <laughs> and um, uh, I've I've hidden an Easter egg in this episode concerning oh, sure. this, so I'll reveal it in a moment, but. If time, location, and talent were not an issue in any form, what top five bands do you wish you could have been in? Wow. That is a really good one. Um, let's I know. See. I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, and now I have to answer it. No order. No particular order. <laughs> okay, no particular, no, no particular order. order. Okay, just, just top five. All right. Um, time... Distance and talent mean talent. nothing. Okay. So it doesn't matter that you weren't born in England in the sixties. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, what top five bands would you like to have been in? Let's see. Well, of course, I, I guess the, the the obvious one would be I would like to be in Nine Inch Nails. Of course. Of um, course. Which I've actually had. Do you know what you want to do? Do you know like the who you like what position? What, what do you want to sing? Do you want to play guitar? What, do you want to be Trent Reznor? Is that the one you no, want? No, actually, no, I wouldn't. Like, what um, would you want to do? I would either want to do keyboard or drums because okay, cool. I feel like I would just I would have a blast playing either of those instruments for Nine Inch Nails live. Um, let's see. I would like to have been part of David Bowie's band during the '90s when he was experimenting with industrial, like during like the. Uh, that, I hate. I'm afraid of Americans. Yeah, like, okay. like the Outside album, the Earthling album, okay. like that era. Not a big Bowie fan, but I like that yeah. stuff. Um, let's see who else. I really got to think about this. 
Um, I try to make these good. I really try I know, to make them yeah, think yeah, it's uh, good. It's good. Okay. I, I hope this will be the thing that will catapult Deadbeat Radio. I think this will be the people <laughs> like, I don't give a shit about the first two and a half hours. But that last bit, that's great. That's <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so I got see. Bowie. I got Nine got Inch Nails. Bowie, Nine Inch Nails. Um, shit. Um, hmm. I really gotta think about this because I mean, there's just there's so many. Yeah, it was I, hard. I had trouble. I almost had to scrap this one. Yeah, because I, I had to struggle. And then it, it is. Definitely I took a, a moment and I took a Zen moment. I go, okay, let's stop and think about it. And I relaxed, and they just came to me. But again, I had to. I had to. I almost scrapped it because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Right. Um. I almost want to say that I would like to be involved with the gorillas because then I don't have to be on stage. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but you know, for an introvert, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So I don't know if I would count that one, but I would definitely put that as a. Um, I'll, I'll put an asterisk. We'll give it yeah, the Barry we'll Bonds it, yeah. asterisk here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be uh yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Um. All right. Well, then let's let's also throw in uh, Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. All right. You know, All right. Because why not? Uh, I was a big Muppets fan, you know. That is also on my list. Right? <laughs> that is also on my list. Uh, and I, again, because I, I wanted to be Zoot specifically. I, that was my thing. I specifically wanted to be Zoot. I, I, I started playing saxophone in the, the fifth grade because that's what I wanted to do. Nice. So, yeah, I specifically want to be Zoot and the, the Electric Mayhem. They were always my favorite. I love them. So, yep, I, that's on my list. All right. So, I thought you would make fun of me, so that's great. No, that's awesome. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, All right, you got one more. You only got one more. All right. Um, just to be an asshole, okay. Wild Stallions. The Wild Stallions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, that I think that's See, great. It would be a toss-up between the Wild Stallions and the Lone Rangers. Oh, both great choices. Oh, I love Airheads. That's so good. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Um, I I also had some some movie events. Uh, so that that is a great list. Ninety Snails again. Not my thing, but I get it. Bowie. Not my thing, but I get it. The gorillas I like. Um, and I get the. I'm a puppeteer, so I get the the yeah. things you can do with your voice and talent that you can't do physically. So I'm mm -hmm. all for that. And again, love do the Doctor Teeth's on mine, and the Wild Stallion's great. I don't like Bill and Ted, but again, I, that's a great <laughs> one. And of course, the the the, the Lone Ranger. So for me, um, mine were. Um, I would love to be in Glenn Hughes's spot in uh, Deep Purple Mark Three. Uh, when David Coverdale came in, I'm a huge White Snake fan, and I love David Coverdale's era. Um, but to be there with David Coverdale and Richie Blackmore, that's that would be the shit, you know, mm -hmm. and it'd fill that spot. So I'd love Glenn Hughes's spot. Um, number two for me is I would do uh, Geezer Butler's spot in uh, the Black Sabbath. I love Black Sabbath. Huge Dio fan, so I mm -hmm. love the Dio years too. Yeah, um, probably even lean to Dio over Ozzy and Black Sabbath. Um, so I would want Geezer Butler's spot. Just right. I don't wouldn't want to be in the front. I'd want to be right there. And again, just the fattest grooves. He's such an underrated bass player. So mm -hmm. I'd want that. Uh, the Electric Mayhem, I would want uh, Zoot Spot in the Electric Mayhem. That's yep. uh, that's a big one for me. Um, I would want uh, uh, Derek Small's spot in Spinal Tap. <laughs> I would. Uh, I love Spinal Tap. A uh, little tidbit about that: he's actually running yes. a Pledge Music campaign for yes. a new album. I I'm, saw yeah, that. I was yeah. like, "What?" Yeah, it's a contemporary Christian album. I think is that yeah. what he's doing? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, well, he in in Spinal Tap. Um, the, I I love Christopher Guest documentaries. I'm a huge fan. And Spinal Tap is like. I own all three 13-inch Spinal Tap action figures. Um, I'm a huge fan. My wife uh, even got me the very rarely even known about Spinal Tap sequel, Return of Spinal Tap. Huh. Most people don't even know it exists. 
Um, and it's a um, mostly concert, so it's mainly, it's mostly a concert, but it has um, sketches in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, uh, if you've seen A Mighty Wind by Christopher Guest, uh, his folk music documentary, mm-hmm. um, he has the group The uh, Folksman, which is the same three guys in a folk band. Um, they made their debut in Return of Spinal Tap as the band opening for Spinal Tap, and like they were the ones locked out of the auditorium and stuff. And um, in that, Derek Smalls talks about um, being in a Christian rock band called... Um, Godsmack uh, or Godsmacked. It was something like that. He, but this was long before that band came out. Right. And um, he talked about being had being playing bass. And so I think that's the shtick he's coming back out with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love those guys. I'm a huge fan. Uh, Spinal Tap's one of my all-time favorite movies, period, any genre. And I love all Christopher Guest. My wife and I actually played a song from A Mighty Wind during our wedding. Oh, nice. Because it's a beautiful song. Have you ever seen the movie A Mighty Wind? Yes. Love it. That's the kiss at the end of the rainbow mm-hmm. that uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hare does. Out of context, it's a beautiful love song. In the f- movie with these two goofballs singing it, it's hilarious. <laughs> so we thought that was funny that either people would be like, this is beautiful. <laughs> this is the, we actually played it the moment he said you may kiss the bride and we kissed the song plays nice. and so again it, you yeah. either like get it and you're like that's funny as shit or you're like that's just beautiful right and so I, I love it Spinal Tap's big on for me and the last one um, I would want to be Steve Cropper in the Blues Brothers I love, and I'm actually getting pretty close. I bought a Telecaster. I've got the beard. I'm getting bald. I got the long hair. But I just, I Steve Cropper is an amazing guitar player. You know, wrote "Sitting on the Dock of the Bay" and all this great stuff from the '60s. And then just to, to show up with this kind of hippie phase with the Blues Brothers and that whole band is stacked. People only know it from you know John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and the shtick. But that band is fucking stacked. Donald <laughs> Duck Dunn and uh, again on bass and Steve Cropper were the Stacks Volt uh, who made all that everything that. Didn't come out of Motown in the '60s. Came out of Memphis with these two. Right. Um, he's the play it Steve in uh, Soul Man. You know, play it Steve. He's the Steve. Oh yeah. And so here he is in this kind of hippie phase doing this comedy thing, but he's just always right in the pocket, and he's got this great <laughs> groove. And so that's what I want to do. So that's that's my top five bands. I wish I could be in. So that's great. You had a great list. I think that's awesome. Um, feel a le- little less nervous. You got it out of the way. Yeah. Feeling? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's that's the hard one. That's the hard one. The okay. rest of these you've actually heard because you've listened to an episode. You said, um, and second one is. As a wrestling fan, I love stables. I love the uh, the four horsemen and that kind of thing. So this is your chance to create your own four horsemen. What three living celebrities would you want to sit down and have dinner with, and make your own four horsemen for the night? You are there, so you're one of them. Right. What three living celebrities, living celebrities would you like to sit and have dinner with? Huh. Okay. Let's see. Well, um, God, that's a really tough one. Yeah, I want it to be tough. I, if, yeah. if I didn't say living celebrities, everybody would be like, Jesus, <laughs> Freddie Mercury, <laughs> and Kennedy. And so I was like, no, I want real yeah. answers. I want um, something that could literally happen. You know, your, your manager calls you tomorrow and goes, I got this set up. <clears throat> Who do you want? Okay. Um, Bill Nye. Great choice. Excellent. (laughs) Great choice. Um, We've had Neil deGrasse Tyson once. Now we got Bill Nye. Bill Nye. So we're setting up a good good history of these. That's great. Good choice. Bill Nye's Um, great. Weird Al Yankovic. Great choice. (laughs) I can't applaud that enough. (laughs) And uh, I almost wore a Hawaiian print shirt today. I I should have. (laughs) It would have been fitting. And uh, Stephen Colbert. 
Great choice. Great choices. That's I think that's probably the classiest one anybody's answered so far. <laughs> yeah, sure. No porn star, no wrestlers. I think that's the best one we had. That's good. That's first excellent. one without a wrestler. Yeah, first you're the first yeah. one who didn't have a wrestler. That's great. You're welcome. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Jay was the first one who had a porn star. I was yes. actually I'm really surprised that it took <laughs> I took three episodes for somebody to have a porn star. That's true. Yeah. Uh, mine were Stone Cold, so I, I had a wrestler and uh Tom jo- Tom Waits and uh, Alex Jones. So that was uh, that was my three. Um, all right. So again, you, you've talked about the music you like and the mm-hmm. stuff you're a fan of, but, um, what's your guilty pleasure? What's that thing that nobody expects that you would imagine if anybody knew this, they would shame me unmercifully for liking. What's your guilty pleasure? The things that if they knew about me, they would shame you. No, shame you. Shame <laughs> you. Like I have no shame. Uh, so um, what, what are those, those things you're like, yeah, yeah, I like that. I yeah, I do. Um, sure. I, Music, movies, anything. Yeah, uh, shitty TV. <laughs> no, I, I, it's really difficult for me to answer that because a lot of the things that I would consider a guilty pleasure, a lot of people are just like, yeah, that's cool. Like you know, I'll, I'll watch kids movies all the time. Oh yeah. You know, I'll listen to you know soft music or whatever and people are just like no you should be listening to heavy music like no i listen to like i mentioned before i listen to enigma i, yeah. lis- I listen to enya i listen to Ooh, um like enya. Enya. nice uh i've tripped some balls to some enya before yeah. i like some enya <laughs> just let the orinoco flow <laughs> nice yeah. Oh, yeah oh yeah um god i, I really couldn't I, I, I struggle with it because so much of my shit that i like <laughs> i was like yeah i should hide that but i don't because uh, like i love shitty uh stuff but i love like soft rock i'm a big fan of like the teeny bopper music like the selena gomez's and the yeah. you know at the time the britney oh, yeah. spears and it's not a sexual thing like i just i like pop music yeah um i know it's you're not supposed to but <laughs> I, I people i keep telling people this look there's somebody who gets paid a lot of money who knows how this stuff is crafted and they make mm-hmm. pretty little packages with pretty little people who have pretty little voices and they put on pretty little videos and you know what it works. I buy it. Yeah. I like it. So I like pop music. I'm a cheese ball guy. I, I'm all into that shit. Yeah. So I, when if you ask me what's your guilty pleasure, I'd be like everything, like <laughs> all of it. I mean, I yes. guess, I guess, I guess, as opposed to a guilty pleasure, I guess like something that you wouldn't expect of something yeah. from me. Yeah, is I'm not at all a fan of porn. Which really? is why I didn't have a porn star on my list. You look like I, you would do porn. Like you look like you would do porn. Like I mean, I don't mean that rude way. Uh, you know, I, I tell Kurt again, our number one fan, that he looked like he would constantly smell like a shrimp boat. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can you can pull him up and verify this if you want to, Terry. If you want to look for something, you can pull this up, Kurt Keller, and see. But he looks constantly because he has a big shaggy beard and long shaggy hair and kind of droopy ass. He looks like he literally uh, would constantly smell like shrimp, and he doesn't. I'm, I don't want to get that rumor out there, but. But uh, yeah, and so I make fun of him uh, for being that way. But yeah, you you look like you would do porn, and yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, you definitely. That, that, that's definitely not to do. say that I, I haven't watched porn, but anytime I watch porn, I'm just like, that's a really weird angle. Why did they pick that one? Yeah, that, that's him. <laughs> that's it. So again, that's that's Kurt there, uh, uh, not the guy Fieri on the dandelion. <laughs> but that's Kurt. See, Kurt, you, you're gonna listen to this episode, and it's all gonna be about you. I, I'm bragging on you, buddy. Except for the smell like shrimp thing, but I already made that joke to you. So, uh, but. Uh, yeah, that's Kurt. So, uh, yeah, I think he, he has that kind of – and I, I have no room to talk. So, again, I know what I – again, I make the joke all the time. I look like I would rape you in the back of a van. So, <laughs> trust me, I understand He the looks pain. like he would videotape you raping me in the back of a van. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah Kurt, we'll have to set that up when you come up. Uh, that may be uh, our new thing. But uh, that's great. That's a great answer. I think, uh, I think that is great that you don't look like you uh, – you don't actually uh, like porn. Uh, 
Hey, Kurt, we're just staring at you on the, the – I know you're not getting that, but that's a shout-out for giving me the shout-out. So thank you very much, and we hope you I don't like up. porn, but this is really arousing. Yeah, yeah it's a good picture. smile. It's a good smile. <laughs> yeah, he's a great comic, absolutely great guy, and I, I was so happy to uh, to uh, meet him the first time and get to know him. So he's been uh, a wonderful part of my dead beats of comedy experience with all the guys. So uh, here's where we break it in, get a little serious. Uh, uh, yeah, I've paced these well. It's a roller coaster ride of emotion. I have a little fun, we tease you, but this one we get a little serious. And again, you you have a legacy to leave at some point. Um, it's time. What do you want on your tombstone? What do you want left on this mortal coil for uh, a reminder of you? What do you want? You, you had to pick up after the whole. What do you want on your tombstone? Because yeah. I was instantly going to say pepperoni. Pepperoni. And yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. When I wrote this, I knew that was coming, and so I I, I write it specifically to conquer because I knew I right away I was like, yep, no, nope, that can't get it. But you're the first one to make it, so you get credit. Um, there's if we had a bell sound, I would give it to you. Uh, maybe in post we can add a bell sound, but Beautiful. you're the first one to actually make that. Uh, Beautiful. But Beautiful. Uh, I knew it was coming, so I, I think it's because you've had comics on and they're just like that's too easy and I'm not a comic I'm like ha here's my chance to throw out a dad joke <laughs> yeah it's good it's good it is dad joke it's good it's good but uh, yeah so, so what do I want on yeah what do you want uh, what do you want left behind what do you want to say I guess if I, if I had my choice to have anything written on my tombstone it would be uh, here lies Danny he did his best but looked damn good doing it nice very James Dean I like it I'd like it. Live fast, leave a good-looking corpse. I like it. <laughs> so let's pick it up for a little bit of happier note. What's, right. your, what's your happy place? When, when again, the, the, the whole life, the multi-relationships, the kids, the work, ever get to you, the music, where do you go? What's your, what's your place to, uh, to relax and, 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 and smile a bit? Headphone land. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Just, Is there a specific genre you go to for that? No, just whatever. Just, uh, you know, I, I have multiple playlists i have multiple you know styles of music i'll listen to it's really just you know if, if i'm feeling depressed i'll listen to you know just melodic music if i'm feeling aggressive i'll so it's, it's just it depends on just the moment really um you know if, if i just need to get away i'll listen to something calming soothing just to kind of I think that's, a, I think that's a, a, a universal answer. And oddly enough, yeah. you're the first one to give anything like that as well. I think that's a, a very universal place because I, I do understand that one too. Um, it's, it's, it's weird because sometimes like if I'm in that mindset of like, oh, I'm so like upset, I'll listen to something calming to kind of calm me down. But if I've reached a certain point of being upset, you gotta write it. I'll, I'll go either write it or just listen to heavy music to kind of like amp it up. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, they, they get me. Yeah. You get it out <laughs> that way in the same yeah. way. Like I know it, it doesn't seem healthy when you go in the wrong direction, but like just taking a baseball bat to something breakable in the backyard, that's not hurting anything, you know, yep. um, karate to a bag, mm -hmm. those kind of um, releasing that demon. I think you get that. And so I think being yeah. in a sad place or being in a mad place and listening to angry music will do that. It's the yeah. same thing without, physical um, even though you're kind of dancing a little bit but without mm -hmm. the physical exertion so yeah, yeah that's great I think uh, I think music is a, a common answer that most people listening to this are going to be like yeah yeah, I get that it's, so. it's been a part of me my entire life and it just you know it it speaks to me in different volumes and different languages and different levels that anything else could possibly do for me yeah. I miss it. That's why, again, I'm trying to get back into it on a personal level. I don't expect to do anything, but I miss that because I used to listen to things more when I was playing. I used to um, – I felt – 
I guess this makes sense to you. I felt a little more of the glow, like the light burned a little brighter inside. It was just something about it. I missed that. I don't expect to turn it up as bright when I was playing in a band. And I'd love to do that again, but I just don't have the energy and time. But just sit around the house and play my guitar and write some songs and Mm -hmm. and dick around. And maybe for a show, if it pops up, hey, you want to come sit in with the band? Yeah. And so I I love that kind of stuff. And and that's what I want to do, just to to turn that brightness up. Because it really is... Music is a, a, a fickle mistress, but it's so worth it when it works out. Well, let me ask you this. The, the, me asking you a question, I think it's this mm. time for this. Um, also a first. I yes. know, right? <laughs> being being a comedian mm-hmm. and being somebody who's dabbled in music, have you ever considered the idea of marrying the two? Yeah, not my thing. I mean, like, I, I don't mind doing, like, um, sketches and stuff. Again, the mm-hmm. character stuff. And I would do it for that. Um, yeah. The Wheeler Walker Jr., where mm-hmm. he's a comedian. you familiar with Wheeler Walker Jr.? Mm-mm. Oh my God, Danny, <laughs> Danny Rendo, Terry. I'm assuming you are. Um, yes, yes. So Wheeler Walker Jr. is a comedian. I can't think of his real name, and I didn't know of him before this. But anyway, he's basically it's a character. But I mean, he sells it one on. Oh my God, it's the Undertaker. You can't see him without the makeup. He's 100 percent into it. Um, but he's become this country music singer, and he's great. I mean, like legitimately talented country music. But it's Filthy, 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 filthy. And I, again, I don't say that in a bad way. I'm just, uh, that's the best way to describe it. It's a sort of a mix of, I, I used to describe it as, as if Weird Al fucked David Allen Coe. And, <laughs> okay. and Wheeler Walker Jr. is what you would get out. And they're, they're brilliant. His first record, um, uh, Redneck Shit, is absolutely great. It's like eating pussies and kicking ass and, uh, you know, just like crazy stuff. But he's legitimately talented. And the songs are really great. Um, Damn, there's one I can't think of that's like well, the music to it. Every time it kicks in, I just absolutely love it. Um, it's one of my favorite things, and he's great. But he does this character thing, and mm-hmm. he sells it 100. And he's got this just, like Ric Flair personality. Like, yeah, damn man, I'm the greatest thing ever. Nashville's just not ready for me. that's why they don't play me, you know. So you gotta <laughs> you gotta get my record on 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 iTunes, and you gotta buy it personally because you're fucking country music. They don't know good country music, and uh, <laughs> but he's really good, and that's the thing. He can back up what he says, but because he has this comedy side to it. Nobody really takes him seriously in the industry, and mm-hmm. it's all self-produced. But it's great, and I, I thought maybe um, I would something like that, a character. But no, I, I just like the the guitar playing comedian or Steve Martin with a banjo. Mm-hmm. It, that's not my thing. I don't. Um, I don't think I'd want to do that. I don't know. So I would do sh- character shtick. Okay. You know, I would do, have you know that kind of stuff, YouTube videos and dumbass shit. But uh, I don't think I would go that route. Uh, it's almost too much prop comedy, and I love prop comedy, mm-hmm. but it has to be again just dead on. Oh, is this Wheeler Walker? Which one you want? Oh, uh, is that the one? Fuck your bitch. Uh, no. Fuck you, bitch. Fuck you, bitch is great. Uh, talk about a great. Lo- okay, yeah, fuck you, bitch is perfect. Um, because it's a. If you hear it, if you don't listen to the lyrics, the country song in it is perfect. Do you like country music at all? Not really. I see. I like old school country music. I like true country. I'm not into this bro country shit, but I like you know the '60s, '70s, and and classic country. Mm-hmm. And he does do it right. I mean, it is dead on. And if you listen to the song, the production, everything's great. Here you go. It's a legitimate country song. Again, quality production. Oh, yeah. Even if you don't like the genre, when you hear it, you go, okay, that sounds right. And then hear this. 
It's brilliant. Fuck your dog. I love it. I love it. It's great. It's great. Um, oh, there's, God. Yeah, he's got one called, uh, is it Swip Him Out? And it's just like, I, I love it. But uh, I, I've got the record at home, and I'm a huge fan. But there, there's there's really this great country sound to it. So if you like country music, it's a good music. And then you, as if you like comedy, you're like, that is God damn it gold. That is just, you know, fuck your dog. I hope it never comes home. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so disguised in this great um, country song. Oh yeah. Uh, eating pussy, kicking ass. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's great. I, so I, I, I got turned on to it just randomly. Um, somebody, I think posted a link and I was like, what is this? And so I got, rolling on it my wife bought me his last two records and i just think they're great so definitely anybody out there who enjoys this show will enjoy wheeler walker jr but now he he sells the character he does not come out of it he is he is not ben whatever he is wheeler walker jr and so i respect Hmm. the fuck out of that you know that's awesome um but danny thank you so much for being here man this has been an absolute blast um thank you terry for all you do you have been absolutely wonderful no problem thank you kurt for being the only one out there listening uh and letting (laughs) us talk about you for a while um and so kurt i guess i dedicate this to you i tend to sign off with this and i i I think this as a musician i think you'll appreciate this too but um as a comic um we go out and I, i tell people this all the time but Remember that I couldn't do it without them. You know, there's nobody to do it for, then there's no reason to do it. A crowd without a comic, still a crowd. Mm-hmm. A comic without a crowd, it's just a narcissistic asshole with a microphone. Yep. And so without these guys, we couldn't do it. Without the people buying records, mm-hmm. you know, downloading podcasts, um, and being Kurt, getting it for free off Facebook. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we couldn't do it without you guys. And so thank you very much. We'll catch you again uh, in two weeks coming up on Deadbeat Radio. For them, what you? The end is my romance. You came with football on TV, really, right?